1: This is the place where we preserve and learn more about Royals history than anywhere else. It's Clubhouse Conversation, which means weekly interviews with former Royals year-round, once a week. With me, Davo, I'm so excited for today's interview with Andy Stewart here on Clubhouse Conversation, where you can always follow us on Twitter, by the way, and get notifications whenever we publish a new interview. It's at Royals Clubhouse on Twitter. We're on Facebook, Clubhouse Conversation, and of course here on the website at clubhouseconversation.com, where you can also sign up and have your iTunes linked. So whenever we publish a new Clubhouse Conversation interview, it will be downloaded directly into your iTunes without even doing anything. How cool is that? You can do all that here through the website, and we also talk to current Royals during the summer from the rookie ball on up to the major leagues and recap most games in the post game here on The Dish. Clubhouse Conversation. Glad you are along. And yes, Andy Stewart, the guy we're talking to today, and I am beyond excited for this interview. Andy Stewart, a name that a lot of Royals fans in 2016 won't remember. But a guy who was here during the 1997 season for the Royals, a catcher. He got in five games that September, and boy, oh boy, what a story does Andy Stewart have. Andy, a guy who grew up in Canada. The Royals found him, By chance, he came to a tryout camp, ended up getting signed, and then on and on. The stories are insane for this guy. He was in the Olympics after retiring for four seasons, came back just to play for Team Canada in the Olympics back in 2004. Threw pitches at the home run derby for Carlos Delgado in 2000. Was a minor league manager who made the Ripkins upset. Came up through the Royals' system with some great stories there. Trust me, you're going to want to hear this guy. I've gotten to know him a little bit over the last few weeks, the last couple of years, actually. A funny guy down to earth, very honest, very frank, Andy Stewart, a guy who could hit more than he was ever getting credit for and a guy that could catch and throw way more than he was ever getting credit for. I mean, a guy that threw out over 50% of base runners for a full season in the minor leagues. That's insane at any level. That's insane in high school. That's insane in college, let alone professional baseball. And Andy Stewart joins us uh, from his home in Florida right now on Clubhouse Conversation here in April of 2016. Andy, first of all, thank you for your time. And second of all, how's everything going down there in Florida?
0: Oh, everything's been going great. Thanks for having me. Um, You know, really excited to get an opportunity to talk to you. But, you know, life is good down here in uh, Siesta Key, down here in Florida.
1: Yeah, it sounds beautiful. So 2016, you know, what's keeping you busy this year?
0: Uh, This year, you know, like, uh, we're spending more time with uh, my own personal business. And my wife and I, we own our own cleaning business. We do hotel properties down on Siesta Key. and. You know, we have one of the largest hotels that we do down there called Palm Bay Club, and and another one that's called Siesta Sands. yeah, we stay busy, but uh, it's that time of year; it's like spring break, so it's been really crazy.
1: Yeah, and and, and yeah. How, how about those Royals, man? So, I mean, have you enjoyed uh, following the last couple World Series? Have you gotten into it at all?
0: Yeah, you know, I have. You know, everybody, you know, people have been calling me, and yeah, the Royals, you know, and you kind of like it's hard to cheer, but you have so much, you have so much, uh, so much of a connection with that with the team. And uh, it was great to see, um, you know, the the championship come back there. The, you know, it's such a proud organization. That's how it was when I came in. You know, it's always had that, you know, proud and uh, just a great, you know, just a great organization to be a part of. And it's good to see it back in Kansas City. They deserve it.
1: Yeah, have you, you know. been? Uh, have you been hopping on the bandwagon with the gear? Have you, you know, do you have some old Royals t-shirts or a new you know, Royals t-shirt? No, I,
0: I don't. But I did put up some old photos. You know, of, I have of George kind of around the house a little bit, and I got like a picture that I have. You know, some, but I, I didn't go out and get any gear. No, I, I, I apologize to MLB for that.
2: <laughs> yeah, we're, we're,
0: <laughs> I know they were having some kind of promotion there. I, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get get it done.
1: We're gonna to need to get you, a, you know, a Royals World Series shirt to rock down there, man. Wow, that'd be
0: great, man. I have to send you my address. <laughs> yeah,
1: get some get some street cred down there. So, uh, oh,
0: it's been yeah, it's been great to watch, you know, and you know, and the memories with Art Stewart, and you know, and how you know, it's just been great, you know, to see it coming back, you know, it's just been fantastic.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now, now, let's talk about you. you. You know, you've done some coaching in the past. I don't think you're still with them, but you've you know, prestigious IMG Baseball Academy in the past. What was that experience like?
0: Oh that was great like it, it it was it was kind of funny how it started my buddy Raul Gonzalez do you remember him
1: Yeah of course yeah
0: Yeah Gonzo you know and he was over we were just hanging out one day he's like dude you got to you got to like I was doing the cleaning with you know the gig there and and Ra- Raul was like dude you got to get into a coaching job so you, that's in your blood you know And I was like ah you know you just kind of get burned out a little bit and I was like uh, then he said why don't you go check out IMG they're looking for somebody So I w- I just went over there you know and I we had been doing cleanings with IMG and Nick Phelps over there. He didn't know who I was. I didn't. I just was Andy with you know the cleaning company. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I brought over my resume and sent it over to him. And, and then they needed, ironically, they needed a coach that summer to uh, for their wood bat league. And I said, oh, you know, I'll commit to that. So I did that, and it was great. And you know, got a good rapport with the with the staff and in um, the parents, and it was just a great experience. And you know, trying to help the kids have a good time and and, and you know learn some. I and mean, pass some things on that I've learned, you know, while I was with the Royals and, and such. But that was a great experience. And, and, then, and then IMG just kind of, like, blew up, you know, like, and then we uh, expanded. It was just a great experience. We had some great coaching over there. I learned a ton, you know. Like, I mean, you thought you, you know, baseball, you can never, you know, they say you never know it all. But you can never learn it all. But, uh, you know, while I was over there, you just started learning more and more, and it really opened my eyes up with a lot of things about hitting and, you know, and teaching and, you know, you, you really uh, have to become pretty good at it, you know, because like, you're doing it to a, with a lot of kids, a lot of prestigious kids at that. You know, we had like Manny Ramirez Jr., and we had uh, like uh, Brandon Bonilla, Bobby Bonilla's kid over yeah. there. So we had, you know, and, and we had some uh, really good uh, um, good players with good uh, pedigrees and that were there as well, too. So but it was a great experience. But, uh, you know, it was nothing like working for yourself, though. I'll give you that, you know. Just, yeah. You know, yeah, you're not having to pay the man, you know, except you know the tax man, of course. That's about it. No, oh, trust me. Everybody's got to pay him, right?
1: <laughs> I'm about to mail off two grand to them today, actually. So.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah, they just don't go away. They always
1: no. find you. They're all there. Yeah, I love the yeah. I love though by the way that you were just Andy the cleaning guy. So you're kinda of like me, like you you just don't tell what you do Yeah, you, I don't
0: tell him <laughs> then I, I threw my resume down there. He's like, Wow, I didn't even know you played But ba- yeah, you know, so you yeah, I play he- a
1: little bit. So you know. you're you you did not even think to tell the baseball people that you were in the major leagues?
0: No, that, I just you know, because I was just at that time just doing my <laughs> own thing and you know, and um I had been dealing with Nick, you know, like getting players and they needed a room over at this one um, property that we clean and we were doing cleanings over there, so we were always in touch and you know, and it was just we were friends before he even knew I even played baseball. That was kinda wow. weird. Yeah. Crazy,
1: huh? That, very, crazy, eh? Very crazy, yeah? had the Canadian there. Yeah. Uh, so a couple a couple <laughs> guys was Edgar Kasseris there when you were there?
0: Yeah, Edgar Edgar was there. We had Steve Fry, Dave Shepard. we had um uh oh uh um oh, we had a lot of guys that had some major league experience. I mean Ken Bullock was over there, and yeah. learned a ton of ton about hitting with him. And
2: yeah, former. Just, you know,
0: like one thing about hitting that I that I really learned is that you know you, when you dissect it the way they do it these days, and under you know under a camera and slow motion, and you have all these angles and degrees, and you know it sounds more confusing, but you know but when, if you know what you're doing, like you know you, you, you kind of some of the things that you were. That you were taught, as in exactly what you're doing, you know, and it was really eye opening, and it was a great experience.
1: Yeah, and you know, Edgar, the former Royal, Edgar Castro. for those listening, yeah,
0: great guy, he's doing fantastic over there. I mean, you know, and Edgar and I played together and against each other, so he, you know, he's been doing so well over there. He loves it, you know. That's great, perfect fit for him.
1: And your name came up with uh, Alfredo Escalara Maldonado, who's in the Royal system right now, doing pretty well for himself. He mentioned you. uh, You know, what, what was he like?
0: Oh, he's just a great kid. I mean, you guys know that. Yeah. The Royals' family, they know how what a good kid he is, and his family, you know, are, are tremendous. His dad and, are, and his mom and his sister are all into his career and, and have helped him and have been supportive with him. And then the fact that he's got this build ability, you know, like this, you know, we saw it, obviously, when he was at IMG. But, you know, but it wasn't that that stood out. You knew everybody that kind of went to IMG had somewhat of an ability, but just like in pro baseball, everybody has ability, but it's, their, it's what they do on and off the field that counts. Yeah. You know, and, and that gets them up to that next level and, you know, and keeps pushing them up and doesn't hold them back. And he's got that with him. So along with the, the ability, which is, you know, God-given ability. So that's just fantastic. He's just a great kid, and I wish him all the best.
1: Yeah, I look forward to seeing very him. Very humble kid too. Yeah, He's very
0: always, he seems like he will be. His family, you know, they they're not from like a uh, a poor background. They're you know, but they're very humble very respectful people. Good good family.
1: Yeah, high character for sure. Now, yeah,
0: very high character. There you go. That's what I'm
1: looking for. <laughs> well, you know the, the big radio vocabulary here. So. Yeah. <laughs> you can lean on me, my man. I'll, I'll Ross, great Moxie, you know, the guy with yeah. a great Moxie. <laughs> moxie. Yeah. Okay. So Okay, so I want to go back and start from the beginning here in a second. But while we're on the topic of coaching, so yeah. let's talk about a couple more stops here. So you coached a while. Blue Jays, Pirates organizations after you played. Now, Toronto, yeah. uh, let me see if I got this right here. So bullpen catcher, and then from how I get it, David Wells flew you in on his jet to the home run derby to pitch to Carlos Delgado in the All-Star Game 2000. What, what's the story, That's and is this crazy. all true? How would you get that? Dude, I know everything. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well it was it was a, it was a good boy I went in as a player and then i got jim fragosi i mean the guy i got a chance to spend some time with him he was a tremendous he at the end of spring training him and ernie witt came up to me and said hey you know we're, we really like you and we wanted you to be part of the coaching staff and you know we want you to be the bullpen catcher throw bp and i was kind of like taken back a little bit i was kind of like maybe they're going to keep me up here or something more you know uh, looking more for the future as a player you know but uh when I talked to Jim and Ernie, the way they presented it to me, it was just a you know a, a great opportunity for me in the future, uh, with with getting the respect from the coaching staff that was already there, like Lee Ilya, just some great names, you know, frigozi uh, Cito Gaston, and and I got to spend two years doing that, and then but the first year was was when I got thrown with Delgado at the end of spring training, just in a you know I went from player one day to throwing BP the next, it was. We're really different, and I'm out there throwing BP to, the to like, the number one, you know, the top four guys, you know, Mondesi, Delgado, and Bush, and all the guys like that, and I'm just like, and Shannon Stewart, just throwing BP, and they're loving it, you know, boom, boom, so the whole year, I threw to that group, and, you know, and traveled with the team, and caught in the bullpen, and we had some great arms, actually, I say we, but they had some great, I felt like it was part of the team, that's what Fergosi how he, how he, he, he brought, that feeling that you were part of the team—you're not just the bullpen catcher—and I, I really appreciate that. I told him that. I think I told his son that too—that his dad, what his dad had done for me, yeah,
1: is works for the Royals think. now too. His son. What's that? His son works for the Royals now too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: I mentioned that. And I had some photos that I sent to him and to Junior, and uh, anyway, but uh, it was a great experience. And then Delgado uh, got was having a tri- like almost like a triple crown year. And we were pushing, like we were pushing the Yankees that year. we were in the playoffs. They had voted me in for a share. I was like, "Oh, come on, get to the playoffs!" You know. And <laughs> it was it was just a great year. Delgado took me down down to the, uh, invited me to throw to him in the home run derby, which was I was like, was an honor to. And uh, not only that, but we we got to take David Wells' private jet on the way <laughs> down to from Montreal. We played our last game of the first half there, and it was just like. You know, getting on the jet, I was like, "Come on, this is surreal." But it was just a tremendous experience.
1: I loved it. How did how did Delgado do? Did you serve up some gopher balls or? Were, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We like,
0: you know, we made it to the semifinals. You know, I always tell everybody we lost to uh, Griffey by like, and uh, it was in Atlanta, and that park is fairly huge. It's you know, it's yeah. a big ballpark. It's a pitcher's ballpark for sure. And he had, he had like, um, hit the, the top of the wall three. It sounds like an old story, like a fishing story. But, you know, we were so close. And then Griffey came in and, like, one bested us, you know, and hit, you know, had, like, four home runs. And Delgado had three or whatever. But to, to go on and face Sosa, remember that year that he yeah. was hitting him? Like, he, that must have been, like, some kind of cork bat or something. I don't know about <laughs> that. Because <laughs> he was hitting him over the batting eye in Atlanta in center field. I don't know if you remember that particular
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, some some might say something different than cork but we'll leave it at that.
0: <laughs> no. Yeah, it might have had some metal in there. Maybe,
1: some yeah, yeah, there you go. But
0: <laughs> right, exactly. But that was fun, man. Just to be right there and and, and see, be around all the stars, and, and even see some familiar faces that you know that you had played with or against. Or it's great.
1: Now you managed the Williamsport Crosscutters New York Penn League in 2003 for the Pirates. You guys won the league championship. So you know, how'd you like being the skipper?
0: You know that you know being a catcher. You know there's so many catchers that it just it's more natural for us uh, to become managers and deal with players because we're dealing with the pitchers, we're dealing with, with the defense, we're dealing with the umpires, we're dealing with basically every aspect of the game. That's and that's so I always tell people like if you look around the major leagues, look at, look at all the managers in the in the in the major leagues, you'll see there, a lot of them are catchers, and and you don't really see. I mean there yeah there's some pitchers, but they always take like ah it's a pitcher, he's a manager, you, you know like. You never get the respect as they do as the catchers because we're just so involved with with, with the game. So I I really just fell in into that role. I enjoyed it, and uh, you know I had a lot of people that um, had molded me into a manager. You know, guys like Jershley, you know, I had him for like four years. You know, guys like R.J. Ron Johnson. You know, he was mm-hmm. uh, Carlos Tosca. These mm-hmm. are some guys that were with the Royals in the in the early nineties um, and still are. Like Jersh is still there. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. What a story he's had. And, uh, um, you know, it's just been, it's been, it's been quite a run, you know, but I enjoyed managing and, uh, and, and winning the championship was fantastic, you know, getting an opportunity to, to, to manage, to win any championship at any level. is big. We won one at Williams, uh, in Wilmington in 94. And then that was the last one. And then that was 2003, I believe. Yep. But anyway, it was great. I had a good time doing
1: it. It was fun. Yeah, it's funny. I've never heard anybody, I mean, I, I've i talked to, I don't know, 40, 50 guys who played for Jersh, and I've never heard one bad thing about it. People are so happy for him. It's great to hear how genuine people care about that guy.
0: What a what a career. I mean, you know, there's just not too many of those guys around anymore. You know, they that that come up with the organization, that stay with the organization, that you know, and then get up to the big leagues and then win a World Series. Yeah. If there's, like, there's, there's not too many coaches that I would think of that deserve it. Like, I would say a guy like Joe Jones, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Mike Jershley, you know, the, those guys I would think of, like, those guys deserve deserve something good happen in their lives. There's not too many guys like that.
1: Yeah. So then, another cool thing. So you played on Canada's 2004 Olympic baseball team in Athens, Greece, which I'm assuming. Well, I guess first of all, how beautiful the city is that for those who haven't been there.
0: Oh, that was that was an incredible city too. And we had some friends that were that were from that area. That were because I was living in Wilmington at the time. So they they had like they lived just out, outside of Athens. It was crazy, and then they kind of took like i i didn't kind of spend a lot of time in the village i was spending time with them cuz it's, it's always nice to hang out with the locals They know all the spots yeah so it was that was fun too yeah, yeah it was a great experience and beautiful city
1: yeah and you hit uh you hit 416 during those olympics uh now i got to hear this story so Ernie Witt supposedly plays a big role. So so basically, you're okay. So going back, you're you're managing the year before that in Williamsport. You were the bullpen catcher. We talked all about that. So you're basically retired as a player. But then you come back and play indie ball at Winnipeg in '04. Was that solely because of Ernie Witt telling you to warm up for the Olympics? Is that true?
0: Yeah, it's true. I mean, I had to get the okay first. You know, I wasn't gonna. I wanted. I I talked to Greg Hamilton, who's director of baseball Canada. Great guy too, and spent a lot of years with. Team Canada since 88 was my first experience when I was 17, you know, so I've been kind of with them throughout the years. <clears throat> and I talked to them. and said I was looking, you know, I needed an opportunity, and uh, they were all, you know, arms open and said, if you can do it, stay healthy. And, and I said, if, if you can get hooked on with the job. And and then I was, uh, had to connect. I had, a, wow, isn't that weird? Ring! I had a, um <laughs> wow hold
1: on it's a big dog it sounds like
0: yeah so i got an opportunity with them oh my god this is crazy (laughs) what an interview the dog goes nuts the doorbell rings you know um (laughs) live radio folks
1: (laughs) that's that's how we do it
0: you know and uh so i got an opportunity with uh to go play in winnipeg and i and i had become met, played with Hal Lanier. i mean it was great got an opportunity became stayed healthy hit like just over 300 i think or just under 300 with them and team canada came out there and they saw me play and i was in great shape i mean it was like rocky balboa you know with the music <laughs> you know like trying to get back into it and like it was like you know sometimes when you feel like you, you know you you really want something so bad, you'll do anything for it, you know, and that's where I was with at that moment. And then Ernie and great baseball Canada gave me that opportunity to, to – I had to earn it, though, too, and and uh, gave me an opportunity of a lifetime, and uh, I thank them to this day for that.
1: Yeah, you guys were in fourth place, too. What, what was it like being in an Olympics?
0: Oh, man, we were I, – I could tell you the story, but we were so close. I mean, we, we were um, – uh, I think it was Cespedes or – we or somebody that we were playing against, up against the wall, top of the wall, Kevin Nicholson hit a home run, like, should have been a home run, into the wind. Sounds, again, another fishing story. 20-mile-an-hour <laughs> Walk, wind. Walking you know? backwards. <laughs> Guys go, no doubles, It's happened to me. And he catched, you know, it would have been a great, and the guy caught it was in the USA, the U, Cuba beat us, but it was a, we made a comeback, and we came like inches from tying the game, and it was just, a, we always had, everybody has good battles, but we always play Cuba really well. And uh, we lost that game, and then that was to go on to the to play in the um, gold medal game against Australia. It was it was our year. <laughs> Australia knocked off Japan one nothing that day. You know some you know big leaguer that was pitching just shut them down, shut all those all star you know, Japanese all star team down.
1: Man, so close. Yeah, and then we
0: had to play Japan the next day after you know losing a heartbreaker against Cuba. You know. Well. Yeah, it was you know. We got a certificate.
1: <laughs> <laughs> not, not quite the bronze, but hey. Oh
0: man, it was you know, and it was like the Japanese were embarrassed because they got the bronze, and we were like crying because we wanted it so bad, you know.
1: <laughs> you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Like, <laughs> you're in the interview, like we are so like the translator of Japan. The Japanese translator was up there, and we we're like, you know, we really worked hard. We wanted this, it didn't work out. Blah blah blah, and the Japanese. A manager was talking how embarrassed they were they were hey, to <laughs> win the gold and
1: <laughs> you're like i'll take it we'll, we'll yeah, carry said, i'll
0: take it yeah exactly you know but, <laughs> we'll fly uh, back that was a you know just a great
1: experience yeah. you, as well you should have uh sat out a few years earlier in the middle, middle of your career right coming back like that hot like that
0: yeah i mean you start like in 2000 we missed out too in uh, winnipeg that's where we when uh the, the pan-american game was stubby clap and we had a pretty good team, and we the Olympic qualifier, and we finished in third. We got we got the bronze medal, but it was uh, we just missed the Sydney Olympics that year. So you know, it, then when I when I retired the next year, you always wondered if you know I, I had still had some gas in the tank, but you know I was looking for the you know towards the future, and you know we knew how difficult it was and how difficult it was to get to, back to the big leagues, and, and I understood that.
1: Yeah, well. All right, so speaking of getting back to the big leagues, let's go all the way back to the start then. You ready to go way back mm-hmm. in the day? Sure. All right, so it's, it's Oshawa. That's, that's how you say it, right? Oshawa, Ontario. That's correct. Okay, okay. Ontario, Canada. Uh, so you grew up there. Was that your uh, favorite sport growing up, and then was that the one you were best at?
0: You know, my dad, he, like we played fast pitch, believe it or not. I never even played baseball until I was 11 going in. I only played one year in Little League. And then, really? Yeah, and we, my dad was a big fastball player guy, you know, and he tra- played for Team Canada, and he, he had, like, if you if anybody that knows anything about fast play with a guy by the name of Pete Landers, he, he called him the hook, he was a left-hander, he had like a thousand no-hitters, and he's famous in the uh, fast-pitch world, and my dad played with him, they traveled all over the world, I was, so I kind of grew up in a clubhouse, you know, and uh, and I was always playing with those old, you know, the, the guys, and my dad taking BP, you know, just like, just like a young big league kid would, you know, on the field, and just spent a lot of time doing that, and then, um, but not until I was in the, until I was twelve. Until I, some of the kids were like, "Hey, let's you need to play hardball." That's what they call it up in Canada. You know? Hardball. <laughs> you need to play hardball, and I was like, "Nah, I don't know," you know. But basically, baseball. I want to say softball and baseball were were my two best sports. But I, you know, I dabbled in hockey and played, um, you know, basketball. My dad was an athletic director at a college in Canada, and he was a um, Basketball coach, AD, you know. So I grew up in the gym, you know.
1: Yeah. Now, how about? Were, were you a Blue Jays fan? Expos? Oh or yeah, you
0: love, you know, I love. Yeah, we used to call. You know, when Ernie became the man, manager for Team Canada, I was telling you, Ernie Witt. You know, <laughs> I didn't know if it was Jerry Hallworth or the announcer. <laughs> I don't know, but it was fantastic. And. You know, I, I almost could remember the name, of, like the starting lineup. You know, Lloyd, Mosby, Jesse, <laughs> Barfield, you know all the crazy. You know, uh, it was just Willie Upshaw. You know, <laughs> Damaso Garcia.
1: That is. That's, keep going. You like got about whole, four more sorry, to go. I'm, I
0: think I'm missing Lloyd Mosby. Did I say him?
1: You said Mosby. Yeah. Who else was there? That? Was
0: oh, George Jorge Bell. <laughs> right? Yeah. That was,
1: well, I guess Kelly Gruber was a bit later. Pat Borders. Yeah, he was a little late, but yeah.
0: still was a fan, a fan of that team as well. Ernie was on the team, and they had this, it was a good, you know, and then they had all the stars, you know, the the all star team that won the World Series a couple of years. But Cito was there, and I got, you know, Cito, was, he won those two World Series. That was great.
1: Yeah, those were great teams back then. So you were, as I read an article here, so you were an infielder until you were 15, and there there was a team called the Bunnies. Who were the Bunnies, by the way?
0: (laughs) You've done your your homework. Well, yeah, I was a shortstop, you know, and and I was until I was like 14, and then there was a team that was local in, in a place called Brockville, Ontario, and they had a team that was like the traveling team that everybody wanted to play on. It was called the Brockville Bunnies. Yeah, I know. The reason why they were called the Bunnies, there's a story. There has to be. You know, back in like in the day, everybody had a nickname. Yeah. You know. And his one of the guys' name that started the team, his nickname was Bunny Bradfield. <laughs> yeah, hey, Bunny. You know. <laughs> Bunny. <laughs> yeah. You know. Shorty, Bigs, Mugs. You know? <laughs> you know, all these little weird names back in the twenties. You know, thirties. And this guy started the team, and then when he passed on, they named the team after him. And since then, they're, they're, they've had two guys that have played in the big leagues, and it's only a town of twenty thousand people in in Ontario. So, wow. Brock, yeah, Peter Hoy.
2: Yeah, I know the name. the Red man.
0: Sox. Yeah. Famous Chris Berman nickname Peter Chips
2: Ahoy. <laughs> yeah, that's Yeah. And uh,
0: and myself for you know, and it was it just that, and then they had a lot of guys that went to play college baseball in Ithaca. We had four or five guys play for the Bombers up there. Okay. Yeah. So. And uh now the team's still they're in, they had their fiftieth anniversary last year, and it's still going and you know we they had like a big golf outing and I got everybody got a bunch of stuff signed, and we had a big auction raised a lot of money. It's great to see all the guys and, and guys from the original team you know it's fifty years ago it's crazy
1: yeah it's so, okay so here here's a, another you you're full of interesting stories i i think <laughs> so here's another one so so you first caught the eyes of royal scouts is it I, I i don't know who the scout was ba- balos davis bellow davis was that bayless
0: him? davis and jerry
1: stevens jerry stevens yeah there was a, so it was it was a summer tournament in london is that correct
0: yes yeah, well in london ontario there's a london ontario
1: oh as well. okay yeah. i thought it meant england okay yeah that'd
0: have been cool but yeah <laughs>
1: well, t- <laughs> we'll tell that story though anyways well
0: you know that's when i was with the bunnies like when I turned from a shortstop into a catcher, there was a there's a coach by the name of Brian McCroby that said, "Hey." Then they had a they had a shortstop there. His name is Derek Burns, who who is known as one of their best shortstop. His older brother was at Ithaca, whatever. But it's but some a good pedigree at shortstop already. So the guys like we need a catcher. So he turned me from a shortstop into a catcher. Now my mom, when I told her that I'd made the team, she said. Well, great! That's awesome. I said, "Yeah, but there's, they're going to turn me into a catcher." She's like, "Oh no, I won't be able to see your face." (laughs) You know? And I was like, "What about making the team? Isn't it all about making the team?" But anyway, so I turned into a catcher, and then in one of those tournaments in London, like after I started getting better and you know my second year there, when I was six or six or a couple years later, I was in London, and that's when Jerry Stevens had seen. They were looking at another player from Windsor, and we were playing Windsor, and they were because Windsor's on the border with Michigan, and he was a Michigan scout. Um, So they happened to be checking out some other guy, and then there he saw me and put my name down and sent me a letter to my house. And at that time I was living in Brockville, he said. So I was, like, just thrilled when I saw a letter, you know, uh, from the Kansas City Royals. I was like, oh, my God, this is great, you know. So they had a couple tryouts, and I had to go to this one tryout. And then, again, Jerry was there and introduced them and I, he goes, what do you think about signing? And I said, well, yeah, I'm, I'm not, don't have any plans or any offers from any colleges at that moment. I mean, it was just, it was just, like, wasn't happening at that time in Canada as often as it is now. And uh, so they invited me back to another camp and uh, to, like, another, like, and after I graduated from the first camp and this was at the University of Detroit and that's when, of course, they had, I didn't realize that they had had 15 20 of these camps and then narrowed it down into this one last group so so the the ironic thing was uh so we drove all the way down to michigan not just hoping that maybe something good would come out of this and uh, you know we were at the university and they put us in groups and i was catching this one guy in the bullpen i was like man this guy's good and <laughs> his name is shane ray and he was that yeah. uh, the first pick of the of the royals and um um Back in 90, uh, I want to say 91, they didn't have a pick till the third round. He was the first pick you know, for that, in that third round for the Royals eventually. And I didn't know it was him. I didn't know anything about him. I just knew that he was huge and he threw hard. <laughs> and I was catching him, and he was like, you know, fastball, and I was watching him throwing on, just catching him, warming him up. Because they are going to take some live BP after the warm-up. So here, here I was thinking it was going to be somebody else, but they called my name and said they wanted me to hit. <laughs> and I just caught the guy. So I was like, you know, during the, but one thing that I was taught, like, with some of the coaches with the bunnies at an early age was try to look for, you know, guys that were tipping pitches. And, and of course, this guy, he, when any time he threw his split finger, he, like, you know, he'd be, like, digging in for gold, you know, like in his glove. <laughs> and, and he threw his changeup, his, his glove fanned wide open, you know, and I knew that one. And I so I picked up a few things. So they said that, you know, Shane Ray's going to be the first pitcher and Andy Stewart's going to be the first hitter. And I was like, that's weird. <laughs> So they say. So we get out on the field, and I'm getting loose, getting my swing, practice swings in. And they say, "Okay, you're going to get five swings, and he's going to tell you what's coming. And then he's going to throw five, and he's not going to tell you what's coming." I said, "Okay," but basically, I knew what was coming because I knew his pitches. So anyway, the first five, I you know hit line drives, and anyway, I just I hit like a home run to right, and I was like on fire, line drives everywhere. And then after that, after that work, after that. I was done. Shane Ray comes running in. Who are you? Who are you? <laughs> I'm like, what? I, nah, I, dude, I'm just some guy trying to. You know, I'm from. Uh, I'm from Canada. Eh? You know, to get off me. I'm just trying to. You know, make a name for myself. And he's like, what's going on? Like, and all the guys are like, who, oh my god, dude, that that's Shane Ray. And I was like, I don't know who he is, man. I just was hit. So so. The coaches, everybody, all the, everybody was just amazed, and I, including my family was there and stuff. It was just like out-of-my-body experience. So <laughs> they didn't believe what they saw. So later in the day, they said, you're going to hit again. Oh, no. And I was like in the bullpen catching this other pitcher. And then later, he's a sidearm right-hander. And I was like, oh, this guy's good. You know, sinker, slider, <laughs> curtain slurvy, change-up. But he was tipping his pitches too, I swear. And then they said that I was going to hit against him. I didn't, I didn't. I was thinking maybe that I was, but I didn't know. I thought I was done. <laughs> they said, Andy, we want to want you to hit again. Jump in there again. You know, they want to get another look. Well, again, I knew the first five pitches were going to tell me, and the next five you're going to, you know, surprise me. Well, I knew what was coming because he was tipping his pitches, and I, I had a great day. And then, who? Everybody's going. Oh my God! They're going to sign you. They're going to sign <laughs> you. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. And I was just, like, really nervous, you know, and just excited. And then, you know, do, do all the workouts, the catchers throw, and you run, and I had good speed, you know, a decent speed. I was, like, a 7 flat 60. I wasn't, like, I, I always dreamed, I'd say I was 6'9", but I was never quite there.
1: <laughs> just round up.
0: <laughs> just round up. I would say 7, you know, for a catcher, that wasn't bad. But anyway, so that's what happened. That's how I got signed. And then, you know, they offered me a contract in, in September of 89, and, you know, it was like five thousand dollars, and you know, and I had some school. I just never used it, you know. So it was a nice package, and for a guy free agent, no plans, you know. And then I went off. I went the next spring training down to Baseball City, and off we went.
1: So wow, yeah. So that was so essentially, in a way, you were almost signed through a tryout camp, right? That, that, no,
0: I was signed yeah. through a tryout camp.
1: Okay, okay. We oh, didn't wow.
0: have any. There was no draft until 1990 or 80 i don't know 891. i don't remember when the canadians were included in the draft but you know that's just the luck of the draw and what do but you even harder way to to make it yeah like it's hard enough to, i know it's crazy
1: what do you think you would have done had like you would, would you have gone to college if the royals hadn't signed you what do you think would happen
0: yeah you know like yeah i would have you know my dad there you know my dad was at the college there in, in town maybe to a community college and they didn't even have baseball. You know, that's what I'm saying. It's just great. That's what wow. you know, the scouting department at work, you know. They got eyes out there and they got a chance to see kids. But there's, there was nearly not enough eyes out there because up, up in Canada at that time, you know, yeah. it was just, you know, they were concentrating in southern Ontario, Windsor, somewhere. But they weren't getting the, you know, like they are now. And they're all over the place. You know, they're in, they got complexes in the Dominican and over yeah. in, who knows, Korea now, probably, who knows.
1: How, so one other question about that. So do you remember who – so thankfully you know, the Michigan scout was there. Do you remember what, what player they were going to look at on the other team? Did he ever get signed by anybody? No,
0: I, you know, that's a good question. I, I don't know. Um, but I know that uh, the team that we were playing, they always had some pretty good teams. Like Jason Bryans was a guy that signed out of Windsor. He was a Canadian kid back in the um, – he was in the late 80s. And then into the early '90s, and I remember him because he was Canadian. He was from Windsor, and Windsor had a lot of good baseball, like kind of like Brockville did for yeah. the Bunnies. We used to play those guys a lot in tournaments, like Stubby Clabs. We always had good coaching over there, and always had some of the top players. If you look in, if you look in baseball Canada, you'll see a lot of kids from from Windsor.
1: This is great. All right, so you get to the Royals then. First summer of pro Bowl with the Gulf Coast Rookie Royals. You got in twenty one games in nineteen ninety. So that first summer, you know, being so far from home, what was that like?
0: That was horrible. They had like payphones. <laughs> yeah, and we had to wait in line. And guys, there was like it was crazy staying at the dorm. I was you know nineteen at the time. You know, and now we're we're mixed in with the Latinos and a different culture. I'm in the South now too. It's, you know, everybody's saying what's up, and I'm like, I, I don't know what's up. How are you? You know, I didn't understand what's up. What's up, everybody? What's up? You know, it's just I don't like I don't know what's up. I how you, I don't know what's up. That's what I would say. What's up? You know, I guess I was different. I was from the North and the Canadians. You know, I was, how's it going? Hey, eh? they're like ah, you said hey, you know, and I was like no, okay, I see how it is, but but being away from home is really hard. I, really ran up of my dad to this day talks about those phone bills. (laughs) And, uh, um, you know, learning the game every day, the grind, getting used to that, you know, the heat. You know, and then playing. We didn't call it the Gulf Coast League. We called it the Gulf Roast League. I don't know if you know that.
1: Yeah. No, I didn't, but I'm sure.
0: But it's, you know, as you know, it's hot. And then being a catcher and and a Canadian catcher, you know, it's like, the temperature's a little bit, the humidity's a little bit different than I'm used to. But I, I survived it.
1: Yeah, And then, uh, so Baseball City was 91 and 92, 77 and 94 games, uh, you know, respectively. So at that point in time, I know it was kind of another year or two until you really broke out, but so did you feel like, you know, going back to your Baseball City, uh, what was your, were you kind of just thinking at that point, I'm going to try to play for a couple more years, collect paychecks, maybe I'll make it. Did you honestly think you had a shot to make the majors? Well, you know, we'd
0: all, all the guys, we'd all sit in the rooms, in the the dorms and say, like, who's going to get released? And everybody thought, no one told me this at the time me but they all thought that i was going to get released (laughs) but they didn't tell me that till later later that when we were already kind of once you get past a certain you know it's like once you get out of that a ball you know like low middle a if you can keep going you might have a shot to advance up and jumping up to baseball city and having some success i was like 20 in baseball city which was it was because i was still in extended you know how kids go back to extended and the yeah. coaches and the organizations say hey keep your head up because you know the advanced a team is right here or if somebody gets hurt you could go anywhere you know how they always tell you that yeah and you try to stay positive and you're like this is a bunch of bull but, you, <laughs> but it's true because i lived it i was there
2: <laughs> yeah. you
0: know so i was there and had no business of being in high a ball because the catcher went down up there and they needed somebody that was you know decent and they called me up and it cost didn't cost them any money.
1: That's uh, true, yeah. Cause you because it's now.
0: right there, you know, no traveling expense, no, you know, housing allowance, no, you know, you keep that in mind too. So that, and I tell, I had a kid just go through that recently. He was got sent to Extended and I said, trust me, I know I've been there. It, it can't happen. So, but yeah, I got the opportunity, and it did happen, and I, and I did pretty good there, you know. And RJ and was uh, Ron Johnson was there. I started getting a little more comfortable, you know, starting to understand what what it feels like with the wood bat and all that, and you start, you know, getting you know, getting an idea of what pro ball is all about.
1: Now, Baseball City. Then uh, I guess two questions about it. First of all, I, I know once spring training ended, I'm assuming the crowds were like ghost towns out there at those games. And second of all, yeah. did you ever make it to the amusement park while it was open over there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. What was it like? Was it was it nice or not really? Well, he
0: was really. They had big roller coasters, and you'd be playing in a game, and you hear the people ah! screaming as they go down the you know the elevate, the dropping you know into the turns and stuff, screaming, and um, yeah, I went over there because a lot of times when you're in the lower levels in rookie ball and, and extended, you always want to go and check the night games out because there's really nothing to do. So you'd walk over there and you'd have. So, you go over and check out the amusement park. and But, you know, you'd understand now why it closed because it, it really wasn't that exciting.
1: Yeah, and Disney's a stone's <laughs> the throw baseball away. Baseball
2: was
0: cool at that time. Yeah. And, and the stadium was really, you know, state of the art at the time. And the whole facility, like the whole baseball complex, was state of the art for, for that era, that time frame.
1: Yeah, now it's what, an apartment complex? Is in a mall or something like that? <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. I remember <laughs> Joe Jones, you know, one of the longtime coaches. Royal saying baseball city is the best baseball complex bar none and he would say that bar none (laughs) and the guys people that know me would know bar none (laughs) in baseball you know and and it really wasn't you know the weight room was like the closet you know (laughs) not like they are
1: today i love it so big prospects there, but I'm, I'm going to bring up a name here in about 10 seconds that you're going to okay. be like, what the hell? Why is he asking about this guy? I forgot about this guy. So, but, I mean, you played with some of the guys that played with you there, Joe Randa, Shane Halter, Bob Hamlin, John Lieber, Joe Vitiello. So a guy that I think was a first-round pick that is like no one knows anything about it. It's like he's vanished into thin air, and I just wonder, what do you remember about it? Was it Tony Bridges-Clements? What was he like? What happened oh to that guy? Oh, my God. Yeah. He
0: was like a veteran, you know, kind of presence that because he was in baseball city he was like new ron johnson the coach they, yeah they were like tight and uh first rounder uh you know yeah he was really under the radar first rounder um um didn't really pan out as much as you know as they had expected but he's a great guy spend a lot you know learned a lot from him he's a tough guy too you know yeah and i play you know you're a catcher and you're young and you got to be tough because you know it's just like you know, the older players will walk all over you. It's just the way it is. you know, you, you know how they bully you in high school. And stuff? Yeah. You can get, there's bullying going on. I mean, when you're a young player and you're 19 and you're hanging out with 24-year-olds, come on, it's, you know, you know you can't even go in the bar. <laughs> you know, yeah. and they're like, you know, all over you. So, I mean, it's, you, and Tony was tough. He's like, no, nah, just tell him, you know, kick his, kick his butt or something. Or, you, know, <laughs> you know, you got to be tough back to these guys,
2: you know. Huh.
1: That's great. Yeah, I've always wondered yeah. about that guy. He's like, uh, he's disappeared into thin air. So hopefully, yeah. I mean, I,
0: you know, and and then one off season we went back to Arkansas. He lives out there, and and his family owns uh, like a hotel. You know, like kind of like the Bates Motel. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. And
0: uh, it was uh, we spent some time there. He, he really, really good guy. Yeah, you're right. He just fell off the face of the earth. I tried to locate Darren Burton, another guy.
2: Yeah,
1: outfielder. Right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I've been trying to find him, but. I keep in touch with all the guys that you mentioned, I've I've been in touch with, except for the Hammer. haven't talked to him in a while.
1: (laughs) The Hammer? Love that guy. Yeah, Hammer.
0: But, like, Joe Vidiello, I've talked to those, like, Halter, and, um, you know, Roderick Myers, Jamie Bluma, some other guys, Robert Toth. I still keep in touch.
1: Oh, yeah. I was sad to hear uh, that that Chris Ralston passed away, what, last year. Yeah,
0: that was a sad one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because, you
0: know, like, anytime, you know, you start, you know, you, you play with those guys, and, become like kind of like a brother you know you spend so much time with
1: them. yeah um so 1993 with wilmington then most of 94 as well so 94 is kind of the year i would imagine i mean is from a fan perspective when you became a real prospect or people like okay this let's watch the stewart kid but you know before we talk about that though people talk about wilmington being so special one of the best places to play in minor league baseball what makes wilmington so special there
0: well for the first year we were there when it were 93 the first year it opened. Going from Baseball City to there was definitely the, one of the reasons why everybody loved it. Yeah. Because you get you go from like a couple hundred, they had 70,000 people one year, and seven, no, it was like, wait, 40,000 people for the year on 70 dates, wow. 70 home games. They had 44,000 or something. I had seven, I don't even know, but it was just terrible. We were last in attendance, as you said. <laughs> All the teams in the Florida State League were bottoms in and at all of minor league baseball. And then you go from that scenario, like Golf Rose League, same thing. There's nobody there, scouts and parents and family and girlfriends, right? Yeah. Or future girlfriends future girl- or wives, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And you know what? There's nobody there. And then you go from that to Wilmington and where there's like 6,000. and they're, they're actually, you know, we can go to this one place and eat for free what (laughs) What? (laughs) you know and we can do all these things and 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 get some like you know get it get ready for what it's like to be at the major league level because that's really what we're in the minor leagues for and that's what these teams when they have great attendance and lots of attention you know where the guys have to are under the spotlight that's when they because they have to simulate that in the big leagues times that by 10 or 20 you know at the big league level so it it prepares those kids to go to the big leagues you know and that's it Never used to start preparing you really until double A AA or triple A at the other back in the day because the, the A ball clubs and teams were didn't have like high attendance it wasn't a big deal
2: yeah, yeah so
0: you can't really prepare your you know, and a lot of people don't make it past you know into double A AA or triple A those are the those are the years that prepare you but now you're getting prepared like in rookie ball now you know you got big league stadiums and clubhouses so they're ready to go right out of the wire.
1: Yeah, it's, and while we're on the topic of minor leagues, and, I, and this can include either, I'm assuming you know, AAA was all airfare, but I mean, so I guess Wilmington and, and Memphis and then, you know, Baseball City, all those towns. Did you ever have a classic, horrible minor league travel story like with a horrible hotel or a bus breakdown? Did you ever have anything classic ever in the minor leagues? It's a good
0: question. Um, it seemed like every... I don't want to say every trip was kind of horrible, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but you know I I can remember like in the Florida State League where the air condition went off and it was like, (laughs) but it wasn't that bad. It was like a like maximum three hour trip, you know, but no AC in Florida is, you know what that's like. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But uh, you know we don't really have like you know there's times you're always like you know when you're flying in AAA you get to the hotel way too early.
2: And oh, yeah. there's never
0: any rooms ready. Now I understand that because that's what I do for a living. So I understand like there's people not check check out till ten and you're there at nine and you're tired. You can't get in your room, so a lot of times, you know, that might say ten o'clock but it ends up being like twelve o'clock. Well there's a buses at one to go to the ballpark and uh. you know, you just like you're in a like a daze, like twenty four hours sometimes but you know, there's nothing that really stands out that, that I can remember. I and mean, there's been a couple pranksters that I remember like uh Greg Olson, he was a classic prankster, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, he tried try to take your key before you got in into your room, yeah. and then he'd turn the A.C. on, uh, but all the heat on, you know, <laughs> in the middle of the summer, and the heat would be on, and or whatever they would do in the bathroom, I don't know, what crazy stuff. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, I remember, and then turn, and, and turn all the light bulbs, pull them all out of your room, I remember that, and, then, you know, you try to get them back, by ordering like a hundred pizzas or something, I don't know, but. <laughs> you had your key, man. These guys try to get your key before you even get to the ho- get into your room. That's scary. <laughs>
1: That's great. Yeah. Uh, so it's that second year at Wilmington, then. So huge, nineteen ninety four. So you're a midseason all star. Uh, you hit five seventy one against Winston Salem in the championship series. So as far as the whole season goes, third in the league in batting average at three seventeen, tied for first in slugging percentage at five forty two, and then you threw out. Ridiculous! I don't even know how this is possible. Fifty-four point nine percent of uh, of base. But can singers. you say that
0: again. Yeah. For,
1: for so <laughs> I can hear that. For like family and friends, especially, right? Fifty-four point nine percent. Fifty-four point. Wow. Yeah. I, I read that and I was like, "Is that a typo?" But yeah. So you know. So what? I mean, what clicked that year, man? What happened?
0: Well, you know, I always believe it. Like one one of the experience of getting to that point, and you know, like I've been in a ball now for you know three four years, three years. So I'm kind of Get an idea, press the adrenaline. That you know that from coming back, the team has a chance to win. You feel like you're, you feel you can feel you can almost see the, the you know like hey, this is all the work that you've done is starting to pay off, and that's it's that confidence that that you get, and and, and I think that's like the, one of your greatest weapons is being confident, especially in baseball. You get because you're always failing, and if you can just have like a you know short term memory, and I think at that time you just like I just started really starting to understand and understand hitting, and that's what, and for the defense, you know, you start understanding how your footwork and the transfer and how to hold runners, you know, how to, how to, you know, help and assist with that, not just from the bench to the catcher, but sometimes I'll be like, I'll throw in a, you know, a hold on my own or, because I can see things, but I won't call a pitch out, never. <laughs> yeah. But those are the things that you start to learn at that level, and then when it starts clicking, it just, your confidence starts to boost up.
1: And then was that? Did you feel like you were starting to be taken serious for the first time, obviously, or, or had you felt that way before?
0: No, you know, I think this is the first year. If you look at the first four years, I never really got into those, you know, the hundred hundred game mark. It was always like sixty games.
2: Yeah. And,
0: you know, get you know here and there Sunday start, you know, and now I was like. Because they weren't really high on my catching, and I know that. You know, I understand that. Like, I, they didn't think I had enough arm strength, but I was throwing out runners. That was the other thing that was confusing. Huh. You know, like I'm doing. It's like you know, you're doing. It's like a guy that's throwing, you know, eighty nine, eighty eight, but he's getting everybody out. But it's just not. Yep. Going to cut it at the big big league level because you need to throw ninety one. You know, to play. You know what I mean? You throw nine unless you're like Jay, you know Moyer and stuff, and you get a lefty. But I was at that level where, you know, I was, I was very good. You know, like I was like a 4A player. They would say, you're a 4A player. I'm like, oh, I don't want to hear that. But, hey, you know, what can I do? Just keep keep working hard. Who
1: told you? So the actual, like, brass told you that? Or who told you that? No, like,
0: no, like, just, you know, you start to think that you are. Because
1: then okay. later
0: okay. in your life, you're like, you're right on that that cusp. And you're like, what yeah. do I need to do? And I know there's other guys in their career that have done other things, you know, to try to get themselves better. And obviously I never partake in that. But, you know, like that's the, that's the, I'm like that, that perfect example yeah. of that guy that was like, could have been interested in that steroid, you know, era yeah. yeah. where, you know, you're right at that triple A, four A kind of guy, you're hitting, you know, 12, 13 home runs and you're, you're hitting 55, 60 RBIs with like 30 doubles. And now all of a sudden, you know, those 30 doubles, you got 20, 20 doubles. And now you got 30 home runs and. Yeah. You know things go boost up, and everybody now you're they're taking you like you're you're a big league player but that's i never i never did it i never did the steroids, but that's how I felt that I was because after a while you honestly' become the best evaluator of
1: yourself did you ever did, i mean did you ever you know think about it was it something you because I would think if I was in your shoes sure. I, I, would, I was I, I might have taken them' I'm not, you know, I, did,
0: I did think about it because yeah. I saw a lot of guys that were doing it and guys that I was competing against yeah and, and for similar jobs doing it that i just never did hmm. i don't know just never wanted i never could see myself injecting something in myself yeah that's, <laughs> you know, that's probably needle. I, I hate needles
1: yeah that's probably a good thing you know
0: just doing that and and it, and it was you know i just never did and and just i'm glad i didn't you know but on the other other side of things if i had of i know that put like 20 pounds on myself a muscle like a pit bull you know <laughs> <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden i'm hitting the ball you know Who knows? But you know, I'd be paying for it now, probably.
1: Yeah, I mean, I consider myself pretty, you know, decent character. But I I seriously think I would have done it. I thought about this before. So,
0: (laughs) yeah, and and that was that time. That time, right? You know, in the mid mid nineties, was everybody was seemed to be. No one cared if you did it. It's just like you know, if you didn't come back strong, you didn't work hard enough. And that's the truth. Because like you come back and they say, "Damn, Stu, you look good, man. Looking good again. You know, creatine and." (laughs) <laughs> you know, and and real proteins, not nothing bad.
1: Metrax, but, right? Yeah, yeah Metrax metrics and yeah. yeah, all
0: that <laughs> stuff. Metrics.
1: Yeah, that was the big stuff back then. Uh, and
0: yeah, and um, <laughs> you know that. Yeah, I remember the metarix, Yeah, definitely. But you know, I never, t- I never took them. But you definitely are right about that. When you're at that level, tempting. I could yeah. like, see why some a lot of the people did because no one really cared. <laughs> they actually, they didn't like push it, but they didn't really. You know, they didn't get. Fine for it or suspended.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh. So yeah. I was, okay. So after Wilmington, then so ninety five, yeah. you get moved up to Wichita and Omaha. So thirty seven percent of base runners that year you threw out, which is still damn good. OPS seven forty one, and then uh, you got a, a big league non roster invitee invitation for that spring of, of ninety six. So can, can I talk about that spring of ninety six? You know, how how big was that for you? What'd you learn that year? What was that like?
2: Oh,
0: this was the dream, the step that you're finally getting recognized and that finally you don't have to go to spring training in the minor leagues. Like, you're just so happy. Like, it's almost as exciting as – no, it's never as exciting as a call-up. But you're very excited because you, you, it's, you're going to be in front of the big league coaches. You're going to be with it in front of, your, you know, the other guys that you look up to in, the, in your organization. You're going to be uh, – um, you're going to be getting paid
2: yeah that's
0: meal cool. money and you're going to be living <laughs> off the dorm you actually get you have some responsibilities to fill <laughs> and but you know if you can handle them you you can actually enjoy spring training because you know those five years of spring training is you know it's wearing on you now minor league camp and the same dormitory food and the same you know bunk bed situation and
2: roommates
0: and that you don't know and Walk into the ballpark every day, like at six thirty in the morning, like a bunch of walking, you know, walking dead, you know. and Now you actually go drive, and you have enough money, you know. It's just a great feeling.
2: You yeah. Know?
0: So that was a lot of fun. Other than my number, you know, my number always they always gave they gave me they always give me the worst number though. But <laughs> it turned, I made it into a fun number though.
1: What was that? Sixty nine. Oh, okay, so I was gonna guess it was sixty-nine. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, but it was funny. I I made it into like you know, I made it work. It was
1: yeah. Great. Yeah. But did you did you do extra extra good with the ladies that spring? <laughs> I, mean, I did. A hey,
0: sixty-nine. I was p- quite embarrassing.
1: But <laughs> well, nobody. I was taken. I was very humble.
0: I was just happy to have it. I didn't, you know, I wasn't really that till later. I was like, oh my god. that's... Oh, you know when the new guy shows up and he gets 69. You know, you're like, oh, I remember <laughs> those days.
1: I love it.
2: I
0: wear it with pride, kid. I wear get get with... the jacket off.
1: Yeah. 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 Beavis and Butthead would have loved that, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so uh so then that summer then you're split again between wichita and omaha another big year so 302 at wichita in 58 games and you got moved up to omaha for 50 games so let's talk about wichita that good old turf infield grass outfield what do you remember about wichita the most
0: i remember the the short right field and and that uh, that i i didn't take advantage of it as enough as a for a guy that for myself i like to hit the ball right center and uh, I didn't take advantage of it i did, i didn't I didn't think I had quite a, as a good year as i as I should have, but uh, what was the numbers in AAA? I, I know that at one year I was having a really tough time and I, got I think
1: that was down. the year I, I didn't I didn't include them because they weren't good. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, it was okay because that was part of the learning experience that I because that, I was in Omaha that year I started the year in Omaha and, and I, I tanked it. And it wasn't because I, I wasn't hitting the ball well, it was a combination of. Slump and just hard contact for like two weeks straight with nothing to show for, and then, then just confidence out the door. And then I can't say, man, we're in AAA. It's not like you're you're facing guys that they don't know anything about you, you know. And so the level's tough, and then the confidence went down. So I was like, I was beaten. That was a tough year. But you know, then that's why I moved down to AA, and I was like, you know, pop, pop, they get you back your
2: confidence, you know. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you did. And then, so then 97, obviously, a huge year. The majority of it spent in Omaha, but then you get every kid's dream. So the big uh, call-up, September call-up to be exact. So, you know, kind of take us back to this. So I guess the first question is, were you expecting to be a September call-up? And then the second question is, when you actually got the news, you know, where were you at? Who told you? What was that moment like?
0: Well, I remember um, just having a really solid year, you know, and I think the year before with that really down time in Omaha helped me. So now I'm a full-time AAA guy, you know, which is, people out there know, it's like, it's good to be, it's not great to be in AAA, but it's better than being in AA. I felt like when I was in AA, I was babysitting a lot of the time. Yeah. Whereas when I got up to AAA, I was more comfortable with my peers, my friends were there, you know, just a better, and I just felt more comfortable. I, just, I felt that I was a AAA player, I, you know. Um, so... But uh, that year, when it, that I had a solid year, when I got called up, I was I was finally having that good year, and I think when, I can't remember the scout's name. Uh, and he came up to me and said, "You know, and this is the year that they had Bob Boone in the big leagues, and then he got fired, and then and then they brought in.
1: Johnny um, Muser, uh, right? The
0: uh, after Boone, there was uh, oh, I can't Musser. Yeah, Muser, Yeah. Yeah. Right. So Boone. Like, that spring in 97, spring, I didn't go down to spring. I didn't make it at all to minor league camp. They I went all the way to Colorado with the team. And and then when the Plains, the last game, you know, the season, the exhibition game in, in against the Rockies, they had one team, you know, obviously going to Omaha and one team going to Kansas City. And that was a tough one. But still, Bob Boone liked me enough and kept me there. And he said, you don't need to be, you don't belong over there. You need to be here that you know and if it wasn't for bob boone i feel that i wouldn't have got called up because what happened was when i got called up in 97 bob boone uh, wasn't there anymore but he told one scout that was higher up uh, I, I i'm sorry i can't remember his name said uh, that he that andy stewart you know deserves a call up and that you know he wanted to get it done and then he had he was telling me this on the field after a game or that this is what Bob had said, and that we're really trying to, you know, make that, to honor that and get you up there. So that was the first, you know, this was like, you know, a couple of weeks before the end of the season, or the minor league season. So then what happened was it didn't really happen. Hmm. And everybody was saying you're going to get called up. and But the thing is, you know, to get called up, there's a lot of things that have to happen, you know. And it's not as easy, especially if you're not on the roster. And I wasn't on the roster, so I had to have, there had to be a move to be made before I they would – put me on the roster. So I got called up and was with the team before I was actually deemed um, a major league player. Really? Yeah. So they had called me up and I was catching in the bullpen, you know, actually traveling with the team. And they said, you know, we we're trying to get you activated. And it was really odd, but I, I wasn't complaining because I was there and, I, you know, this, this wasn't my time to bitch and moan. And they said that we're really trying to get you activated. So a couple days went by. You remember, like, Rudy, Rudiker, when he kept looking at the roster?
2: (laughs) Yeah. You know, and it's like, ah. You
0: know, everybody would say, hang in there, Rudy, and pat you (laughs) on the back, you know? I swear, that's what it was like there for a a couple days, you know, until one day I wasn't even in the starting lineup. I'm I'm, I'm just looking at the extra guys, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: I'm not even looking up here with, you know, Brett or whoever's hitting, you know? (laughs) Johnny Damon and everybody. I was just like, you know, I'll just be this extra guy, and I'd walk up there kind of slowly, and and I'd look, and it wouldn't be there, and just like Rudy, if you've seen the movie, and then finally it happened, and it was like, oh, uh, you know, I was very <laughs> excited. Everybody's like, yes, dude, you know, yes. Yeah. There was a lot of people happy at the time. Not only for my, for, like, I was happy, but there was a lot of people
1: that were happy for me. Wait. So, okay. So you. Okay. Wait a minute. So w- yeah, you we, we came up as the bullpen. Was that in September or yeah. before that? Okay. So right. So, like, we're, off, we're in
0: Iowa, and then you know Jersh is calling in all the guys that are going up, and then finally my name came. I was like, you know, you're walking into Jersh's office. <laughs> Jersh is like, wow, you know, geez, dude, you know, you're you had a great year, you know, but here's the deal, you know, and I was like. It wasn't, like, the best deal, you know, but it was one step closer. How did and they activate you? the deal you? was to go up there, you know, keep your mouth shut, as Josh would say. You yeah. Know, keep your mouth shut. Don't say a word. And then when things, something opens up, they're going to activate you. I don't know when, but this is the deal. Deal or no deal, you know? I'm like, deal.
1: I wonder. Do so I take
0: the deal and I go up. As a big league player, you know I don't. I'm not. No one really knows what's going on yet behind the scenes that I'm not quite activated yet. But what happened was, how did I get activated? Well, Johnny Damon went down, and then I took his roster spot.
1: Okay. That
0: was. You know, you got hurt like that week or something.
1: So they must have put quotations hurt okay i must have put him on the 60 or something right thank you johnny (laughs) quotations hurt (laughs) yeah that's right uh so that was really
0: cool and you know i was really happy that i that i got up there and then you know now it's official you know i remember i feel like a big league player i'm I'm part of the club now you know this was a great great climb that mountain great experience
1: now, who are some of your, uh, you know, you mentioned some of the guys earlier, like the Randas and the Vidiellos, and guys you yep. played with way back in the day. I mean, those guys were, were pretty much there. Who else was, you know, some of the guys that took you under their wing that you were close to up here?
0: Hmm. Well, you know, like, uh, oh, up there, when I was up there, like the, one of the really awesome guy that I least expect that would really take time with a rookie was Chili Davis. Really? Yeah, and then, of course, uh, when I was up there with the Royals, Everybody was good. Like, you had Montgomery, you had Gubaza, These guys are, like, classic, awesome guys. So, you know, they were just, you know, you just listen to those guys. So, you, you know, you listen to their stories, you listen to what they say, you know, you don't question them. But, those, you know, those are some guys. But uh, mo- most of my experience, like, I remember coming in every day in the big leagues, and uh, um, Bergemeyer?
2: Yep, Berge. Oh, yeah, Bergemeyer
0: was there. Yep. And he every day he'd look at me when I was up there. He'd say, Hey, Stu, how do you like the big leagues? And I go, Oh, my God, this <laughs> is great, dude. I got paid today.
2: <laughs> He's like,
0: Oh, isn't that great? Oh, good. So then every day it became like a joke. Like he'd always say, like in certain moments, I'd be like eating the spread, you know, the food and crushing it. He'd be like, Hey, Stu, how's the big leagues? I go, Oh, this is great, you know, this food,
2: mm, you know,
0: whatever. But if we were at a function, he'd always say, Whatever. We're on the plane, you know, like, First class, you know, hey, Stu, how do you like the big leagues? Oh, you know. So Bergemeier was he, he was a guy that really was really awesome when I was up there and made you feel at home. Of course, you know, like, like Booney and, and Jamie Quirk, and, and of course, George Brett. He's a, he was a great guy. And it really showed me how humble of a person that he was You know, me being a a guy, we play cribbage together,
2: you know? (laughs) And to
0: this day, when I see him, he says, Hey, tell Bob Toth he owes me 20 bucks, you know? (laughs) You know, because Bob, Robert Toth didn't pay him his $20, you know, he lost. So, and that was like 20 years ago, and he's to this day, Hey, tell Rob Toth he owes me 10 bucks for that cribbage game. And I tell Rob Toth that George is looking for his money. (laughs) But it's just good to see that, you know, guys that are superstars are, are that, you know, such good people.
1: That's great that he remembers them. Yeah, he does
0: remember. Right? Yeah. I can't believe it. He goes, yeah, you tell that um, Bob Toast Robert, he owes me 10 bucks for whatever, for the cribbage. Yeah. Might have been a little bit more, but
1: You, you family know, show. Mike Sweeney was up there at that time too, right? At the 97? Yep. Good old Sweeney dog. Oh,
0: I mean, is there a nicer guy? I mean, come on. No. <laughs> I mean, I can't, I can't really. Jason Marshall. Uh, mm, it's a tough one to beat. Larry Sutton.
1: Oh, is Larry a nice guy?
0: Yeah, Larry. I mean, it's hard to, to to not you know those guys are like super nice.
1: Larry, dude, opening day, uh, opening day, right fielder one year against Baltimore. I mean, it may have been two years, even, but for one year for sure.
0: Um, you know that guy there. Another, you know, he got there. He he didn't really have a lot of size. Yeah. But he had the swing. You know, the natural. Yeah. We used to call him the natural. What was the guy's <laughs> name? Natural.
1: Oh, uh, uh, Ray Roy Hobbs, right? Roy Hobbs. Yeah.
0: Thank you. I really tested you
1: there. You had to be on your (laughs) game. Roy Hobbs and Larry Sutton, the sweet lefty (laughs) swing. You would have gotten some tweets on that one if you forgot
0: who Roy Hobbs was.
1: Yeah. Uh, Okay, so we we got to get to your games here, man. So first Major League appearance uh, at Kauffman Stadium. You pinch ran for Mike McFarland in the bottom of the 8th, September 6th, 1997. Pinch running. What do you remember about that great?
0: Like... I, I'm in so many weird situations. Why do they got to do that to me? Pinch run me
1: <laughs> for, for the for the catcher too, right? We'll get
0: him. We'll get him in the game here, so you know. So that when he gets when he hits, he won't be as nervous. So we'll just get yeah. I pinch ran. I don't remember that as much as I remember the first at bat.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, now wait a minute. We got to talk about the first at bat then. So
0: yeah, because you know you're talking about a catcher running the bases. That's not very. Pleasant. <laughs>
1: Now, there's a story from, I don't know where where I got this from, but so so it's a whole 12 days later then after the pinch run. So by then you've got to be thinking, man, am I ever going to get an A-B? It's September 18th of 97. You're against the White Sox. You're playing at home. So is it true then that you were in the bullpen like in a haze? You had no idea you were going to hit, and you hit with Kevin Apier's bat? Is this true? What?
0: How did you know? Crazy, yes. I was not a haze, and rightfully so. <laughs> As you just said, I didn't. last time I got in the game was a pinch hit or a pinch runner.
1: Twelve days, yeah.
0: Twelve days. So I'm just collecting a check. I was happy at the time. I was like, oh, you know, trying to see the bright side of it.
2: <laughs> so
0: I'm just sitting in the bullpen, and it, the phone rings. I'm like, okay, I got this, like, you know, for getting ready to catch somebody or get warmed up somebody. No problem. I'm in the big leagues. I'm not complaining.
1: Right.
2: So all of a sudden
0: they say Stewart's hitting for Sweeney, and we and and literally Jermaine Dye just catches the ball in right field because the bullpens were in right field, if I remember at the time. Yeah, they were. Yeah, and I remember looking at him, seeing him catching the ball, securing it. And the phone ringing, saying Stewart's going to be leading off. <laughs> what? <laughs> Is did they just say Stewart? And then, I, then someone, hey Stewart, you're hitting leading off. A whole you want to talk about a scramble <laughs> like like as if you got a meeting, the biggest meeting of your life, and you're just woke up and it's five minutes before you got to be there or something. You know? <laughs> and then I was just scrambling looking for my stuff. then of course, I had to do the jog down. So not only is my heart you know coming through my chest on like the royal emblem, is uh, but you know I'm tired sprinting and collecting and, you know, scurrying around looking for all my stuff. So I run all the way down there. And meanwhile, I'm like, I, where's my bat? Where's my bat? And Napier and goes, here, take this one. You know, and he I took it. And I, I'm like, I'm taking these, like, practice swings like I'm a golfer, back and forth, just trying to loosen up my waist, you know. Because I've been, like you said, I was in a haze in the bullpen. It was 13 days. And then... Then, of course, then they're all looking at me, and Chuck is even looking at me and standing you know on the side of the rubber, you know on the mound, flipping the ball to his bare hand up in the air, down, up in the air, and down, looking at me, and I'm like, whoop, whoop, trying to stretch and grabbing my you know and then then I got announced, and I was hitting for Mike Sweeney, and everybody the catcher, the umpire is all looking at me. you ready, yeah, I'm ready, oh well, now I got a hit. <laughs> So anyway, it was hit up you know, got got my got a little rhythm going and the ball was out at half. Chuck McElroy's throwing and threw a fastball away and I hit it right into right field, right down the right field line over the first baseman. In the air, didn't squibble on the ground. So the crazy thing is Frank White goes, Go, 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 go and I'm thinking, Go, go, go. We're down by seven. You know, don't be mad at me, Frank, it's my decision. And I made the turn terrible. Like it was like the first, my first turn I've ever made around rounding first base. I hit it high on the right side, and I and I catapulted wide around, you know, towards the (laughs) second baseman. It was terrible. It's like I'd never been. I was like floating. It was so amazing. And then, and then of course, Dave Martinez is in right field, and he's got a cannon. And I I'm like, ho oh, oh and now I have to start cutting in like turning like on the inside part of the bag and Ozzie Guillen is, because 'cause I've watched the video, I haven't seen it in my head. Ozzie Gian's now go reaching on the first base side right field of the base, trying to get the ball, it's gonna short hop him and I dive on the inside half, roll over on my back, it was just it had to have been it couldn't just be a straight through infield hit or a base hit up the middle. It had to be some drama. <laughs> rolling over and I say Ozzy jumps on me and then (laughs) safe and I'll tell you what it was thank goodness I was safe because I probably would never have even been thought ever to be included even as a pinch runner again (laughs) down by seven in the bottom ninth (laughs) right thrown out at second oh goodness
1: yeah somebody like me and the fans would have said what the hell is this guy thinking out there
0: oh my god it yeah, but I, when I watched the video, I remember I was, like, I was like running low. My buddy goes, look at you, scooching down. I go, I don't know why I'm scooching down so much. Because <laughs> I was, like, just feeling the gravity pull me. And then the funny thing was I got to third base, and I Rich Dower, you know, he's there. And he says, and I know he, he just wait for the rookie to get there that gets his first hit. Because he said, Andy, nice going. I go, thanks, man. <laughs> got to third base now. He's like, just think, man. 2,999 more and you'll be in the Hall of Fame <laughs> and I was just like again what like bu- like burst my bubble I was so excited I was like yeah oh, I'm gonna kill you <laughs> let me enjoy this you know I know 2,999 more you just had to say so anyway I ended up scoring on a ground ball a J-Bell hit I remember and then I scored and then it was like a really awesome moment the guys from the Chicago WGN were like you know we're pumping me up and we're like, you know, all the years of minor league baseball and you made it to the big leagues. Way to go, Andy. You know, and I got it. And they, those guys gave me the tape and were, and it was, a, it was really a, a good moment for me.
1: Is that on YouTube? I got to see that.
0: You know, I, I don't have it on YouTube, but I do have a tape. Oh. A tape? <laughs> yeah, t- yeah. I had to go buy a VHS tape a recorder, a VHS recorder the other day, VCR. Yeah. Just so I could, like, check out my old stuff.
1: Yeah, you got to like you got to get one of those things you can, you know, take it to your computer, man. Get that get that digital. I want to yeah, see that. I'm looking into it. The people need to see this, man. Come on.
0: You're right. I you know, I got to do it.
1: <laughs> did you did you I'm um, assuming you got to keep the ball. What what happened to the apier bat? Did you keep it? I have that? it. You did.
0: <laughs> I got it and he signed it and I signed it and it's broken cuz a couple nights later I broke it.
1: <laughs> oh, you used it again after that? With that. You used it again after that?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, uh, it was hot. <laughs> like George said, how can we keep you out of the lineup? You're hitting a thousand.
2: <laughs> well, you know,
0: yeah. and then another thing too, George came down and said that said this to me like the next day, he goes, I didn't see it. But I wanted I heard about it and congratulations. He goes, You did something that I've never done I go, here we go. Don't even go there so <laughs> He goes, You have I go, Okay, what have I done that you've never done? He said I've never batted a thousand. I've never started the season one for one.
2: <laughs> Ever? Really?
0: That's what he told me. You know, he might have been just playing with me, but he said it because I've never batted a thousand. I never looked up there and saw one for one. This is what he told me.
2: Hmm.
1: Wow. And
0: I was like, oh, thanks, man. You know, <laughs> thank you. He's you know, like I said, a humble guy.
1: Yeah. Well, so the next day you played in the second game of a doubleheader against the Indians. Uh, your fr- your only big league start. So yeah, 0 for two. You were, oh, you were DH? Yeah. Oh, my. So what sticks out about that? Wow. Oh,
0: man. I hit a ball, like, just just off the sweet part to the warning track. I thought it was a home run. Like, I, I didn't get it, but I I, I thought it was close. <laughs> but I, well, I think I went 0 for 3 that day.
1: It says 0 for 2 here, so. No. 0 for
0: 2, and I got pinched hit by, you know, Chili. That's cool. Yeah. You can hit for me. <laughs>
1: So, two other games that you played in. I'm assuming there must have been an injury. It was September 24th at Milwaukee. Could you count yep. 11 innings of a 15-inning oh, game? Oh,
0: man, that was a tough one.
1: Yeah, what happened there?
0: Well, you know, we were already out of players, and I had to go in the game and catch uh, Montgomery. So I was in there in, like, a tie game in the bottom hat, Bottom. I think I threw a guy out, too, that, in that game. Yeah. Um. But I'll tell you what, I was I'd never been so nervous because there was the winning run was on third base, you know, and I didn't want the, that ball. And I got guys that were throwing balls in the dirt. I remember that. Playing at old County Stadium. Yep. That was weird. And I and it was like late in the game and it was like it was tough. It was a tight game. I don't know if we won the game. I can't remember.
1: Yeah, I didn't look. I'm not sure about that. Well, Fifteen innings, I know that.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I was playing in those in those yeah, and I got an at bat or something I was out it was. I was a part of the team, man. I was there. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was uh, no. It was an intense game. I remember that.
2: Yeah. And Montgomery,
0: like when he when he does his signals, like he does a thing called pumps. You know, and I didn't really quite get it until I understood. Like when he gives this, he goes, "All I do is pumps, Andy. If I, whatever you throw down there, if you throw a five down there, that's one pump. If I throw a four down there, that's two pumps." I'm like, okay. He goes, okay, one pump is a fastball. Or, or a curveball two pumps is a you know i can put like seven i can give him the finger three times that would be three pumps you know doesn't i didn't quite get it so and he's trying to tell me this like as we're going out on the field <laughs> and i'm like i don't want this is like the best one of the best closures of all time you know and i don't want to mess it up and be the guy that he's like he just so anyway we worked it out but i was i'll tell you i was so nervous
1: that i would think that would be difficult to did you have to like overthink it while you're out there like trying to not mess it up
0: yeah, you know, you just want to make sure that um, you know you, that you do a good job for this this big league pitcher. You know, you want to be that guy. You want to make him feel comfortable. And um, but uh, you know, it's you get scary back there.
1: Yeah, and uh, all right. So your your last game in the big leagues in September twenty eighth at the White Sox. You went one for three, got another hit. Now can you name uh, the pitcher? Yeah, Scott Iyer yep. or Air. Yep, yep,
0: yep. And I'm gonna oh. T- uh, what a game this was. Now, Tim McClellan <laughs> was behind the plate. You remember that? Of course. Remember that guy?
1: Yeah, of course.
0: Famous, controversial umpire. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, that was the day it was in Chicago. It was called Ozzie Gion Day. It was his last game as a, as a White Sox. And uh, they were having, so he was, so before the game started, this is wild. This is a great story. Before the game started, Tim McClellan said to me, Andy, good luck. I know this is your first um, start behind the in the big leagues. Good luck. It's going to be good working with you. And I just want you to know that Ozzie Guillen will not strike out looking today.
2: <laughs>
0: and I said, hmm, did, what? Did you just? He goes, that's right. Ozzie Guillen will not strike out looking today. <laughs> so now, on my first start, I got the deal with this. You know, can anything just be normal? Can I just not have, like, a clean base hit? Can I just not catch, like, an easy last game of the year? Boom. No, I got drama. Yeah. Ozzie Guillen Day, Jim Pitsley pitching, Tim McClellan, the umpire, who I know is this famous umpire, is now telling me that Ozzie Gian will not strike out. What do you do as a catcher? You, you know, what do you do? Do you say anything?
1: Yeah, what did you do? Did you tell the yeah, manager? You, you
0: just like keep it to yourself and hope that you become best buddies with Tim McClellan and get a huge strike zone, that's not, <laughs> or a, a small strike zone and a huge one when you're catching? No. Nothing like that happened. I, I was like caught in between. Because when the pitcher started pitching to Ozzy Ian, ball's right down the middle. Ball. In the big leagues. And I'm thinking, he's like, where is that? And the pitcher's like throwing his arms up. And I'm like, especially late in the game when the uh, relievers came in and i still didn't let the, the you know the story out and i didn't tell the story till to um um to muser until the game was over
1: <laughs> was he mad or not <laughs>
0: he's like i don't know i would have done the same thing andy i liked <laughs> i liked tony he was good to me um, <laughs> but a lot of people don't like tony didn't like his rules yeah but you know they had the white line rule you can't Chalk line or, or work line He used to yell, work line. <laughs> and the guys were like chilly and then we're on the one side and on the, on the on the on the on the fair side of the foul, right foul line before we stretch. We had to be on the foul side of the foul line. We couldn't be on the work side.
2: <laughs> I didn't know so about that. That one. was
0: one of the things that everybody was like, This after Boone last we got Muser and it's like now he's saying work line? What is this? Kindergarten? But you know, that's his was his rule. He's the he's the manager. You know?
2: Work line, work
0: line. Everybody was making fun of it, and then of course Chili was like, you know, I'm doing this work line, <laughs> you know. So, but crazy man, like so, you know, like I remember going out there and talking to the pitcher and saying, know, hey, you just missed it, you know, hang in there, you know. And, and he McCall, was said, like, go talk to him, Andy. <sighs> I'm like. He's just, just like running my whole world back here. <laughs> yes, Mr. McClellan, anything you say. <laughs> you know, like that's what I, That's what you had to do. Pitcher's like, where was that pitch, man? It was right there. I go, I, you know, he said he just missed it. <laughs> he said that. Oh, like, yeah, he said that. Okay. Right. Like I'm covering for Tim McClellan. It's crazy.
1: You're an arbitrator in the middle.
0: Yeah, I'm an arbitrator in my first big league start in Chicago <laughs> on Ozzie Guillen Day. And, Ozzy, I think if you check the stat that day, I don't know, that would be good fun for you to check. You can see he had like three runs scored, no strikeouts. It was like two for two.
2: <laughs>
1: you know? That's True story. Tim McClellan, that, that's great. What a story. Yeah, man. Wow. So when you walked off the field that day then, I mean, yeah. did, you, did it ever dawn on you that that might be your last game in the big leagues? No. No, I
0: thought I, I thought that I was just you know with Tony Muser and and how he like you know it was really like a touching moment was after the game you know Tony had his meeting and this is like an in house thing that he said, which to this day like it, I, it resonates in my head is like um he was talking about you know the season and he thought it was a great thing that you know that I finally like I didn't want to be like a like a clown or like you know like a like a what do you call it, like a Somebody who's everybody's feeling sorry for because nobody cares. Nobody feels you don't get called up to the big leagues because they feel sorry for you. Right. Nobody does. Right. But for a moment there, I almost felt that it. I was, but I wasn't. You know, and it, it kind of to this day, it kind of. But he said it was one of the you know the moments that he remembered was when you know a guy like Andy Stewart comes up and that, that really made me feel good. And to this day, I, I have that connection with Tony.
1: That's right. That's right. Yeah.
0: You know, he said that in front of the team. He, you know, good old number sixty-three as an example. I like it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and then uh, so while you're in Kansas City, I mean, you're here like what three, four weeks? Did you did you have a hotel? or did you, Do you remember where you? Yeah, lived? I
0: stayed with Jamie Bluma.
1: Oh, okay, okay.
0: You know, like he had like a hotel there basically because everybody that came up there stayed there. We had like Glendon Rush who was there, and um, you know everybody was staying there. And then I needed a place to stay, and he, you know, to this day we're we're good friends. We we still do some work together, and uh, we uh, he let me stay at his place, and you know took me to the to the ballpark every day and showed me around Kansas City because he, he is Mr. Kansas City now, isn't
1: he? Yeah, oh, God, he's everywhere. Oh, my God. Yeah, he knows everybody. He knows everybody. <laughs>
0: he knows everybody yeah. That's unbelievable. But, you know, he's a, He has that kind of character. He, you know, and... Yeah. Um, so
1: 1998 then, big league camp. I mean, obviously you felt like you had a chance to make the team, I'm assuming.
0: Yeah, I didn't. You know, honestly, I didn't think I was going to make the team, but um, I don't know what happened. There were some things that would happen in spring training that uh, you know they had told me. Um, like I went into like I didn't expect to make the team. I never, not one time I've ever been to a camp. This is the funny thing. I never expected ever to make a team when I got an invite. And hmm. That's the reality of it because I'm just a realistic. I just know how it works. You know, you need at bats to, to even show have an impression. If you're not getting at bats, you're not going to make the team. Yeah. And in playing time. So I knew I knew where I stood although i knew that i was liked by muser and quirk and i don't know if i was liked so much by the the office but anyway that's that was just how i felt and from what i heard because one of the reasons why i say that is because um they had told me that i wasn't going to get sent down to minor league camp that i was going to stay over here like this is like th- 3 weeks left in, or 2 weeks left in Big League camp. Really? Yeah, they said you're not moving, you're not going down anywhere. And then like a day later they called me back in and said that they weren't driving the bus and that I was getting sent down.
2: Hmm. This nice. was in
0: 98. And then so th- and then then that year I went down to AA, and it was like uh I had like a I really had the, that was my toughest year in baseball was 98. That was like the toughest
1: well, how come just, just to getting the taste and then going all the way back to AA?
0: yeah well that was the because one of the things and a lot of people said i was I wasn't lied to, but the people that told me that I wasn't like for example, your manager of the team major League manager, says you're not going anywhere and not that you did anything wrong and then the next day he says that it, that you're getting moved down to minor reassigned, and it's not his call, and that he thought that he was driving the bus, but apparently he's not hmm. You know, and then you get, so you now, you're on an emotional, you know, spiral. Now you're, you try to have a good attitude and then you, so you go down to the minor league camp and then after that they tell you that you're going to be in double A too. And I was like, whoa. So I'm back in double A, but having a good, you know, a good season. But then things, maybe I, I, you know, I want to say that I screwed it up myself, you know, yeah. that that because of my attitude, that I cost myself majorly time, and that's really tough to swallow, even to today um but there was reasons for some of these emotions that I was having, you know, and it was i was I thought i had to, I had earned it, and then I was like you know getting you know told different things by people that were up up top that you know there was no reason for them to tell me this, why would they tell me that, and then later it not happen, you know.
1: Do you think it actually was an attitude thing? Like, do you think, like, do you feel like you did anything wrong?
0: Yeah, I felt like you know my breakdown mentally that year being in Double A. Although I had it one of my best years.
1: Yeah, stats were good. I was gonna say you hit what three thirty eight, nine twenty seven OPS, and you had thirteen and seventy four that year.
0: Yeah, I got. There was one night that one, I got suspended for ten games by the organization.
1: Oh, you? I didn't know that.
0: Yeah. Well, nobody does. You're the first. Oh. So. And that's my, my teammates. What happened? I um, I got in a fight with a reporter—not a fist fight, but a yelling fight. Because I was, you know, there was a pitcher in the in the minor leagues. His name was Steve Prohoda, and he was um, um, he was a left-handed pitcher. He was an all-star that year in the Texas League. Anyway, he, we were facing San Antonio. It was a one-nothing ball game, and we ended up tying it. And then in the top of the eleventh, they scored ten runs. You know, Oof. yeah. So Prohoda just stayed out there, like our manager at the time, and it's none of my business because I was a catcher. I had no business even confronting the manager at the time about this. But being a catcher and knowing that this guy, Prohoda, had worked so hard to just to leave him out there for 10 earned runs was just like boggled my mind. Okay, So I, I had, a, had, a, a, had a problem with the manager at the time for that for that certain situation that they left him out there and he and obviously it wasn't my call and I had no you know I wasn't my authority he's you know he's the manager of the team but then after the game Steve was like crying in the dugout you know and put up ten and runs or something like that and then as he was walking down there was a reporter and we had a rule like you know no reporters till 10 minutes after the game after they get in the clubhouse no 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 interviews on the field until, until the guys go back in the clubhouse until 10 minutes after they sit down, then you can come in. But the, he, the reporter was knew that and caught Steve out uh, with an interview. And yes. what's Steve going to say? I gave up 10 runs, you know, and, and he could have said things that he didn't want to say because he didn't want to be left out there, you know? Right. So I, I yelled at the um, reporter. I go, hey, I told you there's no no interviews. Until 10 minutes after the game. And what are you going to ask Steve anyway? How do you feel after you gave up 10 runs in one inning? Yeah. The guy's in tears. And I knew the guy's name. I didn't know who it was. And then one of the other coaches told me, he said, shut the bleep up to me. One of the coaches.
2: So So
0: I snapped because I thought I was looking out for somebody, a, a teammate, a player, a brother, you know, after protecting Steve. And here it was, I get yelled at because I was talking to a reporter that way. And um, anyway, so the, the, the conversation led into the clubhouse, you know, and then that's when it really escalated. And there was no fist fight or I was just yelling and screaming. But after that incident, I was suspended by Bob, Bob Hegman and the Royals. And, and for 10 games at the end of the year.
1: Oh, that was the very in, too,
0: yeah, and I was like, I was in the tops in the league and hitting I was doing so well, you know, and it was just like, anyway, so this emotional roller coaster now has led to a ten game suspension by our own organization because Jeez. and it would pay.
1: is it that, was that the last time you played with the Royals that night, yeah, then? and
0: then that's the year like
1: I would have been I
0: wanted to come back, but because of what happened at the end with the manager was going to triple A the next
1: year,
0: oh, uh. I couldn't. They just, you know, they couldn't sign me back, and that's when I, that's when I tested the free agent market. And I went over with the Phillies, and then, you know, and was back in Double A again, you know, just, but with a different attitude, you know, because again, like, even though there's this negative things that I've done and that that I've, that, that you have control of sometimes that that you regret, you got to try to learn from it.
2: Well, I, I've,
0: you know, I think, and you know. that's what actually when I went with the Phillies the next year, they. You know, they they put me on the Phantom DL the first time in my career, and I was in Reading, you know. I was yeah. like, this is crazy. And finally I got a chance to play, and then, you know, with Varsho, and they liked me, and then the next year I got invited to Big League Camp, and then I had an opportunity to go with the Phillies or with the Jays, and I went with the Jays, and that's when, you know, it's just amazing how, you know, Mr. Destiny, you know, the movie. Yeah, yeah. You could go one way or this way. You don't <laughs> know. Like, you make decisions. You don't, you know, they could affect you. You don't know. You know, if you had taken a different route or a different left or a right, you know, it's crazy.
1: Man, what? Hey, what happened to the to Steve? By the way, the pitcher. I don't, I, I don't even remember that name. Who's that? The the pitcher the, the in Wichita Steve. Oh, Wich- Steve Prohoda. Yeah, what happened to him? I don't I don't remember. You no, know, I name. don't know.
0: He he was like a big like a like I call him like a big bird type lefty. Mm-hmm. You know, really arms and legs and kind of three quarter. Um, I don't know what happened. I think that was his last year.
1: Okay, I I'm, I'm kind but, of
0: but you know, and it wasn't, you know, there was a lot of things, like, I was on edge that year, you know, like, I was, like, trying to have the good attitude, and I, you know, but this is what I try to tell the kids, you know, like, your attitude is, like, everything, you know, you know, don't lose focus of your attitude, because, you know, you're a good ball player, but if you don't have the attitude, or if you, or no one really cares, if you start feeling sorry for yourself, because your situation, you think it's bad, there's other situations that are bad, too, think about that, but you're in a good, you know, you got to stay positive, and, in, in the position that you're in now, because you know, this is the things that I pass on, like you know, spending at IMG and with these younger kids, is talking about attitude. Because I know, I know how it can affect careers. Yeah, firsthand, yeah. you know, and I mean, you just want to try to pass that on, you know, man, and, and try to make kids better.
1: Man, this is fascinating stuff, man. This is great. Uh, oh, I'm happy, man. It's just a
0: lot of stuff, like like I said, <laughs> things that have happened in my career, like drama, like. I've had yeah. things happen that just unusual things, like
1: yeah. <laughs> Well even how you got activated, how does how you got signed? How does that even happen? Some of Yeah, like th- how <laughs> does that even happen? Like I'll tell you
0: I'll tell you like my first major, first minor league managing um game that was ever on the books was in against Cal Ripken's team.
2: Uh huh Yeah.
0: Cool. And we had a big um we had this uh, a big game. It was over here in Aberdeen. Remember in Aberdeen? Yeah. It's a new stadium and Ripken baseball, and it's all you know crazy.
2: What are the
1: iron horse? Up. Iron horses? Beautiful. Is that what they're called? What, the, the what's that? Are they the iron horses or something? Yeah, the Rams- iron birds. Iron birds. Yeah.
0: So and that was my first. Like I went through extended, and I became the manager officially, and that that was my first official game, and then. That was Billy Ripken was running the running the show there, and Billy goes, "Hey, Andy, you know we we're a little behind, and you know the club, the, like the clubhouse had concrete floors, you know, and everything was all like just under construction, but the playing surface was good, and the dugouts were good, and the stands were good, and the concessions—that's all they cared about. So they got the game going and hurried it up. You know, Cal Ripken's mom sang the anthem. Cal Ripken was there. <laughs> they thought that President Bush at the time was going to come over, so it was a big deal. You know, it was a big deal." <laughs> So this is my first big minor league managing gig ever, you know, a game on the book. So, um, so our guy named Domingo Cuello, that was his name—and if you know Spanish, that means Sunday Neck. It's really wild. Like I didn't <laughs> know Spanish at the time, like I do now. That's great. I would have questioned that name then, but he was definitely older than his age, and he was caught by Major League Baseball. But anyway, he was our leadoff hitter at the time, right? <laughs> yeah. So the guy is like five foot five, right? And they got their first round draft pick for the Orioles pitching. And the buzz is you know, the crowds on their feet, you know, for the first pitch, you know. And our guy hits a home run.
1: (laughs) Sunday neck, man.
0: (laughs) So Sunday neck hits this hits a bomb into right field into like the swamp and splashes. (laughs) And then he rounds third place, rounds third, high five, and I'm like, Yeah, this is easy, you know, this (laughs) And he steps on home plate, and that's it. And then all of a sudden, dude, like, the whole dugout's going crazy, yelling at our dugout, like yelling at me, hey, 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 why? I'm like, ah, quit your crying. You know, you won nothing. Lots of game left. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Well, it turns out, like this is the truth, that they claim, okay, Billy Ripken to this day claims that he told me to tell my guy to take the first pitch. You know, we're talking about drama. Yeah. Okay. So my first managing gig, here I am. The guy who's five foot nothing hits a frigging 400 foot bomb. Okay. Meanwhile, that ball is a commemorative ball. Oh, really? And home plate has a commemorative plate that he stepped on, like that they were going to sign and give it to Ripken's Hall of Fame.
2: (laughs) okay now
0: let me ask you what you talk about what are the chances that did not happen it it happened and then the whole game and then when domingo when sunday neck came up again the second time they hit him in the back and to this to that at that moment i still didn't know what the whole craziness was all about (laughs) as a manager i was like what are they what's their problem (laughs) like i don't get it dude they're just like poor losers i don't know what's going on that's the only thing i can think about (laughs) <laughs>
2: How did you so, find- <laughs>
0: so anyway, after the game's over, like they get blown out and it's like their opening day, like supposed to be a big deal. Ripken was supposed to do a presentation, the plate was going to get signed, the ball was going to get signed, everything like after the first pitch, you know. And then they were going to they were just, and our guy was supposed to take it and then, you know, and kind of watch the ceremony and well, the ceremony never took place and the ball was like ruined and um <laughs> so I told them. I said, "Listen, as a manager, one, I would like my guy, for, like I would have rather had Sunday Neck take the pitch since it's the first game of the year and, you know, get a feel. No, he's hacking. <laughs> he's a Dominican shortstop. I should have known. You know, he's a free <laughs> swinger. But not in my life did I ever think that he would hit a home run. Right. He only had one home run the whole year. Is that the only one he hit? It must have it had to be. <laughs> but like again and then so later like in the off season after the year was over like our player development Brian Graham was in at a winter meeting and he was hanging out with Cal Ripken and Billy Ripken so they called me one night and Brian Graham says hey Andy I'm here with a couple guys and they are pissed <laughs> I'm like what? who are they? and they're like they cannot even when I, when I talk about the, what happened they just they just cannot believe that you would let that guy swing on the first pitch. <laughs> and, and I go, you're, you're telling me you're with the Ripkins? He goes, yeah, they're here right now. They're, I'm talk- they're sitting right beside me, and they are pissed. <laughs> I go, tell them, I'm serious. Like, they're, really, they're really messing with me. I said, listen, I really didn't know. And I played with Billy before. I didn't play with Cal. But I played <laughs> with Billy. I said, you tell Billy you know this. I, he would have told me to have my guy take the pitch. I would have been happy you know, to tell him to take a first pitch. As a matter matter of fact, I would have wanted him to take a first pitch. And he's like, oh, they're just, they said they ruined, I ruined their whole season. (laughs) But, you know, that was, like I said, you want to talk about drama, just this, hey, (laughs) how does that happen?
1: I don't know. but I just love that his name was Sunday Neck translated.
0: Domingo Quayle.
1: What happened to him? Did he ever make the show?
0: No, they, they had to release them because, like, a, like a year later, they, they came out with those the fake bait birth certificates.
1: Oh, that sucks.
0: And he was part of it, part of that whole, well, I mean, you know, trying to get off the island, man. I yeah, you know? can't blame him. Yeah.
1: Man. Wow, well, this is great. Crazy. Well, Well, I got about four or five more questions. Thanks for all your time, by the way. But four or five more, we're probably cut off. People probably like. (laughs) No, hey, this is this is fantastic. (laughs) The story just keep getting better. We're both sober is the best part of this. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. You know when I
0: tell people that when I tell stories, I don't, I don't, I don't really have like a list of stories. They they just have to like kind of pop up with certain situations.
1: Well, okay, so this, I don't know, this one's more of a of a sentimental type question, but I guess, you know, so I grew up, what, 45 minutes from Rosenblatt in Lincoln, Nebraska, so I come down and, and saw you play a lot of, as a kid and stuff, and so, I mean, yeah. I guess I want to ask about Omaha. So you played there, 96 to 98, your favorite memories of Omaha as a city and then uh, Rosenblatt Stadium.
0: Well, you know, always, you know, Ro- Rosenblatt with the history of the College World Series, and, you know, like, being Canadian, you know, like, I don't want to say that it's not as, you know, um, like as as it's not as important to you as, as to me as it is to you because you grew up with it.
2: You right, know? right. We
0: didn't have the call of baseball. We're like maybe we had like the, you know, some kind of hockey tournament. What's that one called over there in in the the bean pot hockey? You know, yeah. Because I grew up in Canada, you know, it was a little bit different. But but knowing the history uh, with. With Rosenblatt, you know, that was that was the mo- that was the most important part of it, you know, the history of it, you know, and that's what I liked about it the most, just, you know, it was like one of the old school. I know they had done reserv- um, remodeling over the years to it, um, but uh, I always loved going there. It was like, I loved hitting there. I mean, who wouldn't? Yeah. I mean, it was like a ball just flies out of there. I mean, you'd be hitting, you know, hitting playing catch with the monkeys over there, hitting balls <laughs> over there in the zoo. Yeah. But you know, I really I liked it. I just was like a really. You kind of felt bad that you didn't get the attention, like when because we'd go on a road trip. That would be one of the things I'd remember. You know, we'd go on a road trip that's out of your mind.
1: Oh, the twenty yeah. day for the world. Yeah, Series. that
0: twenty day road trip, and I even caught like the one in Wichita twenty day and in Omaha twenty day. <laughs> you know where they have that WBC tournament yeah. up there in Wichita? You and got they shut bus. it down. So I, I got caught in that where I was up and down and on the road for both of them. That was fun. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, isn't it funny to ask me what are the memories like? I'm, like, trying to – I'm remembering lots of travel and, and like – but I'll tell you what, the stadium was really cool. I liked I – and Omaha downtown, you know, we used to go in the old town.
1: Yep, old market
2: yep.
0: Used to love going down there. Um, and the people were – you know, I always loved playing there. They're still always good people and good fans. I, I always remember the fans there.
1: I'm sure you remember. Very
0: welcoming. Never, never, I never even heard of uh, Omaha fan boo ever.
1: <laughs> you, uh, you, I'm sure you remember. I've got, I bought a couple of these when they tore it down from the zoo foundation. There, remember the, uh, I've got the yellow ones, but they had the red, yellow, blue chairs. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> so Holy. you got a couple. So you got a piece of history. You got a couple of the yellow ones. Oh yeah, had to get those. Um, it was.
0: It's definitely. Um, so what what is it now? Is it everything just is it like what's going on over it's there just,
1: now? It's just a parking lot, man. I just they uh, they put a whole bunch for the zoo. They there is like I guess see I haven't been actually, I haven't been back there since they tore it down. I refuse to drive by there. I, I just don't want to see it. But uh I, I think uh, yeah. I guess they put a little tiny kids feel where like where home plate used to be is still there. I think they saw the home plate there and they have a little thing for kids and stuff, but it's mainly just a parking lot. It's all gone, man. Isn't that sad? Yeah,
0: it is. You know, I also remember um, Omaha used to play the uh, like the Oregon music. Yeah, I used to
1: like that. Yeah, yeah. Get old Omaha, man. Those were the days. Um, the so-
0: clubhouse wasn't much to brag about. Yeah, but we, we all <laughs> accepted it for what it was.
1: It, first, you know? it, it was amazing as I got older and moved away, did radio, in North Carolina and Florida, and saw more minor league parks and got older. Then I came back there towards the end. The last I was there the last night they played there actually, and it was sold oh. out. But it was like walking through it that last time. I was like, okay, this place is a dump. It needs to go. But God, it was great.
0: Yeah. <laughs> they always had great fireworks there. I remember that. Yeah, they did. firework night was packed. Yeah, hope I was playing that night.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so you know, you mentioned you know Bluma and Vidiella. Who are some of the other guys? You know, both who did make it and who didn't that you still keep in touch with? You know, old teammates. Well,
0: one of the guys I keep in touch with is uh, Ryan Long, who made yeah. it to the big league. Yeah, he's with the Pirates. And, yeah. You know, we we spent a lot of. He was like basically my roommate through him and uh, Roderick Myers.
1: Yeah. Outfielder, and
0: so. uh, Robert Toth. Yeah. He didn't quite, he went to big league camp a couple years, but he was a guy that was a pitcher, never quite um, got to the big leagues, but he, he made up to AAA. He had a good, had a change-up. He used to call it the Reaper.
2: <laughs> he and, had good uh, stuff, I remember nasty. him. Like, yeah. would, he nasty.
0: People would, he wouldn't throw hard enough. Like I was talking about, you know, my, my throwing, my arm. Yeah. Like I was like a couple mile an hour off. I needed a little more arm strength, and that's what Robert needed, you know, in order to get a big league job.
2: Yeah.
1: It's too
0: bad. It's funny is that like you can get people out and you still can't make the big leagues, but they don't want to give you a chance to see if you can get big league hitters out.
1: Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's you
0: know, give him a chance. You know, I know he's not throwing ninety; he's not throwing the average. But you know, sometimes those people, they when they they're just better. They compete. You know, when they get out on the field, they compete, and it's different. Become a different player. You know, not necessarily about tools.
1: Yeah. Yeah, How about, uh, and I guess the last couple things then, if you had to pick a single favorite big league moment, what would it be?
0: Uh, i would have to be, um, you know, that, oh, well, the feeling of the, you know, the story about Rudy walking up and checking <laughs> to see if his name's on the list to play. I think that, that moment. And I do remember going, like, I've never been so happy to catch a bullpen that day. <laughs> I was like I was like, Who's next? <laughs> I want more. Play, you know? into I remember the getting to the bullpen and actually kissed the ground there. I do remember that. <laughs> and I said, I did it. And I remember saying to myself, You did it, you did it, you did it and I, Oh my god, you did it. And that, that's the one thing I remember.
1: Then you just had to, had to get in the game to get in the baseball encyclopedia, right?
0: Yeah, I just had to get I know. And I got in as a pinch runner. Who would have <laughs> known? Who knew?
1: Yeah, it's too bad that you got the at bats. Maybe you'd be the next Moonlight Graham and get a movie about you someday, but you had to ruin it and get at bats, right?
0: <laughs> exactly. You know, you know, there was a, um, an almanac in the Texas League, and I was reading one, and there was, a, there was this one little thing I found about myself. Really? Yeah, it said that. Um, there was a game. it was, it was uh, a zero-0 game or at the time, and at the bottom of the seventh inning, Andy Stewart stole home. Really? Yeah, it said that the not-so fleet- of-foot Stewart had so many stolen bases, and, and I hadn't had a stolen base like in a long time, but I stole third. and how I stole from third was it was a, left, it was a left-handed pitcher, and I could see the catchers you know, throw over sign. You because know, I'm always looking, trying to see, try to catch, see if you know he gives a sign to to pick. There was a runner on first with good speed. You know, and there was a left-handed hitter where I could see the catcher's signs from
1: third. Oh.
0: now you got the visual. So I, on first movement,
1: you just took yeah, off. Yeah,
0: so as soon as he like, I, I kind of timed it where, like, <laughs> as soon as he lifted up his heel, you know, I took off and I knew he was going, and I was safe. I stole home. It was anyway. We ended up winning the game, but at that time, it gave us a lead. Man, I wanted to get out of there. <laughs> you know, and the guy had no chance at the plate, and it, might, and it was a lefty on lefty too. That would be a good time to do it.
1: Yeah, those are the good old days, man. Yeah, when you could yeah. run over the catcher if you had to, right? That's right. Oh well,
0: yeah.
2: Not
1: well, hour. you
0: know, and I've been run over. I got hurt my first year, and that's why I only had those so many at bats because I sublocked my shoulder. A guy from Auburn football. Hit a, was on first base, and the guy had a ball down the right field line, and he scored from third. And I, I was taking the throw down the down the first base line, reaching for it, exposing my shoulders and everything. Drilled, and he just went boom. At
1: least it wasn't Bo Jackson, right?
0: Uh, it was like we, Auburn, we all compared him to Bo Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that guy went to Auburn and he looks like Bo Jackson, <laughs> but and he was like a first round pick, so we we're like, the guy, look oh, he was like a specimen.
1: <laughs> but the and
0: uh, he had no reason to hit me. <laughs> no reason. I didn't. Even, I was reaching for the ball. There wasn't even a play. He just ran me over.
2: Jeez.
0: You know, and you could get away with that back then. I was out for like two months.
1: Oh yikes! Well, he wasn't. He wasn't the best player in Tecmo Ball, so we know it wasn't Bo Jackson, right? Oh
0: no, not at all.
1: <laughs> well, I guess uh, my final two questions: Have you ever been back to Kansas City since '97? I haven't. Ah, I you got to come back for a game. You got you got your boys here, Halter and Bluma, and
0: well, yeah, all those guys like. Uh, they want me to come. I just, need to, I just need to do it. Maybe if they have number 69 day, they'll have the <laughs> honor my, like, retire my, put it over the bullpen.
1: I need to, I don't have it with me. Yet. If I, I want, I'm going to have to break out the media guide and see if you're the last one to wear it. Or who's worn Oh, you, oh, you, you didn't wear it in the big leagues, did you No, I wore
0: 63. It, okay.
1: It, this is close. I wonder if you you might be the last 63. I think, actually, I looked this up one time. There's, like, one other guy besides you that had. I'll have to look that up.
0: 63. I mean, don't they have a better number for the kids coming up?
1: Nah, you're Rudy, man. That's what it fits. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I told you, it's Rudy. <laughs> you should have had 98 or something. It would be better. Uh,
0: probably, 99, I'm Canadian. <laughs> Give me Gretzky's
1: <the> number. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I guess uh, my last question is, uh, you know, what would you like to say to all the Royals fans that are uh, listening right now?
0: Hey, I just hope that you remember me, you know, if, you know, and that you got an opportunity to watch me play. And if I did play and I, and I played well for you, and I hope you enjoyed it. And if I maybe if I had a bad attitude that day, maybe it was because I was just having a bad day. But all, overall, I really enjoyed all the fans, and hope to see you again soon. Yeah, they thanks think, for the memories.
1: They think you should have uh, framed it better with Tim McClellan against Isaac, and they blame you for the balls.
0: Oh yeah, event. oh yeah, of course. <laughs> I, I, I had a thing he used to say. He said, "Always tell guys," and he used to say, "Get Stew." It was like just a little. i feel sorry for you. Type. <laughs> <laughs> Why do they got to pick on me?
1: Yeah, poor guy. Yeah, po- get stew. Just trying to make a living here. Come on. You know, yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, I, I got to tell you, man. I mean, I, I've spoken to you know, well, I mean, hundreds of celebrities. You know, whether it be pop stars, movie stars, and of course, hundreds of baseball players. This is definitely one of my top five, ten for sure, favorite interviews. But it's, been, it's hey, been a blast. I, that's
0: great, man. I'm, pretty, I'm glad we got to do it, man. It's, yeah. it's been great. I, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, definitely stay in touch. On hopefully, yeah. hopefully some of these good memories coming back, and, and the Royals being good, and your boys here in town. You know, get back out here and will, you know barbecue on the plaza, lunches on me, and I'd love to meet you someday. And well, I mean, i met you back when I was a kid. But hey, you know, if so I'm gonna... if
0: I'm in the area, I'll, I'll give you a call. You know that for, for
1: sure. For sure, man. Take care and uh, stay Thanks. in touch, and we'll, and we'll talk to you soon.
0: Thank you, man. Take right. care. Bye. Bye. Bye.